all elite Scooby-Doo. That's how I'm going to address you. Well, all elite Scooby-Doo, congratulations on getting married. You did the right thing. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Ben. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And just as we were about to record, my cat was making a load of noise and she's just started doing it again. What a great start to the show. How are you, fellas? Let me just get rid of this cat. So I think we're starting. The show's All done. Right. I must start again. No. I'm moving house. The house is a wreck. She's finding things to play with. Uh, it's been a stressful weekend. Leave her in there. She's mm. fine. It's All good. Not coming across too loud. Not causing me and Gareth any grief. Oh, that's good. Yeah. All good. How is the move going? Good, good. I was going to say that the cat's got like a... uh, Just as as I'm trying to move house, she's got an infection in her eye. So I'm trying to take care of that as well. Gareth was asking me before the show about moving, what I'm going to do with the cat. I'm moving her to to a new area. She's going to have new cats to fight and stuff. But I'm feeling quite guilty really as a a cat dad right now with a bad eye. Like this week, because I've been moving, I've got no kitchen equipment and I'm still in my dad's old house right now um, while I'm getting stuff started in the new place. But... You know, when you're in that mode where you're moving and you can't really cook because you haven't got the utensils and you're feeling lazy anyway, I have had more than one of the uh, that new jerk chicken thing they've got in uh, McDonald's for Christmas. And it's got bacon on it. And because she's got a sore eye and because I'm moving and I feel bad about it, every time I've had, I've had it twice now and both times she's come up to me because she can smell the bacon on it and I've given her the bacon off my sandwich. So I feel like I'm a good cat owner. I don't know if giving, is, if giving a cat bacon healthy, I don't know. Probably a bit salty, but you know, I'm just feeling very guilty right now, to be honest. About T- taking food off your table, Benno. <laughs> That's literally what she's doing. She must listen to this podcast. She views you as Ben Carter, basically, doesn't she? <laughs> what, you, what you need to do is get her, a, get her a little eye patch so that when you move for a bad eye, there she can like stroll, stroll into the new territory with the eye patch on, like some old gunslinger or something like that, and she won't be getting any shit in the new area, you know. <laughs> or Jean Pierre Lafitte. There you go, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Daniel Bryan in Ring of Honor 2007. I was just I did a, po- a podcast this weekend all about uh, all about that. He, uh, we we were doing that um, Bushby and Thompson uh, with uh, with me, Martin, uh, Andrew, and his mate Reg, and uh, we, we were talking about the uh, the Bryan Morishima match. And in that match, it's the one where he gets his um, eye. I think it's his eye socket. Is it? It's an eye injury. I think it's something to do with his eye socket getting knocked out of place in like the first three minutes of the match. And then he spends the next 25 minutes wrestling with with a completely fractured eye socket and he can't see, basically. Um, and then, yeah, he spent the last year in Ring of Honor wearing an eye patch. So eye patch is a badass in wrestling. I feel like that's a, that's a standard. Did he not have like a joke shop eye that he could slightly hold out of his eye like Rey Mysterio, <laughs> like Rey Mysterio did? Just for added drama, of course. Oh, it works, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Remember that when they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to... We got- it's fine. They melted. Was like they got that. They got technology. They're gonna do something with CGI, and it was literally joke shop eye. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> the lack of effort was the worst part on that. Although I was thinking, actually, listening to Gareth talk about Survivor Series ninety on Graps and Claps, there was the uh, Jake Roberts. Um, he used the white eyeball, didn't he, for when he was mm-hmm. sprayed with arrogance? Is mm-hmm. that the yeah. name of the? Yeah. Yeah. Remembering that. How was that? <laughs> 
because I haven't gone back and watched it yet. I was going to oh, say that was the podcast because I haven't listened to it yet. I just know it's four hours long. You've beaten the world cooling records, and I can only imagine how pissed you were at the end of those the four records hours. Records out there, but it's there to be beaten. Oh, it was great. It was absolutely. It was. It was spot on. Just to, for one, just to go back and watch Survivor Series '90 because for me it was you know one of the earliest pay per views I'd kind of watched as a as a, as a fan. I think it was. I think it was only the second WWF pay per view I'd, I'd seen. But two, it was just great just to catch it with a. Uh, Andy and Jeff and Chris and uh, have a have a beer or seven kind of thing. So yeah, no, it does uh, it does go there go the full four hours. But it was it was definitely extremely enjoyable and uh, worth a listen. So if anyone's uh, anyone wants to uh, anyone's got four hours to spare this week and wants to find out a bit more about Survivor Series ninety, check out Graps and Claps Audio. Learn what is it is it Nerva no is it Curva Nama. Namasavita. What are you trying to say? Uh, fucking amazing in Polish. Oh. Um, Jeff Jeff had learned it and was on about <laughs> that at the start. Like that, so that stuck with me. Obviously, it... if somebody mentions swear words in another language, I'm all ears. Jinx, edu- educational as well. You see, it was uh... you that problematic <laughs> team at Survivor Series '90. Oh, Who is it? <laughs> What's the team? Jake, Ro- Jake Roberts. Um, he is, is, is a nothing problematic about him. Yeah. Jimmy Snooker. So as I would thought, may not be your thing, but it's not what you'd necessarily consider problematic, is it? Yeah, J- J- Jimmy Snooker. Nothing, nothing problematic there. He's, he's, he's got mm. no record, has he? Brother um, Jimmy. And, I know, uh, brother Vinny. That's what he called. Him. Sean and Marty. There's uh, no stories about them two uh, back <laughs> in the day as the uh, as the rockers with uh, <laughs> going around the uh, hotel rooms of America. But uh, Matt. Matt, he's cleaned up his act, doesn't he, in the, in, in in recent years? Um. <laughs> the least problematic. Who's the least problematic person there? Jake. <laughs> Is that the, Say the, a se- lot. The, se- the sentence you never thought you would say? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's one murder on there. He did kill what a snake, not? didn't he, Jake, when he was in England? He was in the papers, wasn't he, when he was over here? Didn't he leave, like, a snake in a... He left one of his snakes to, like, rot, rot to death in Aldershot or something? Yeah. yeah. I I, oh, I feel I feel bad because on on that on that bus being Thompson one we were talking about like you know modern wrestlers and we were talking about like issues in wrestling I won't ruin it too much but I was like yeah the thing is though you don't want to know what wrestlers political views are like just imagine what like Dino Bravo thinks about gay marriage and, I was like, and then by the end of the podcast I was like you know I actually feel bad I've done it twice now like I'm sure I, again I will apologize to the family of uh, of poor Dino Bravo I'm sure he was a lovely woke man he was just the example I was picking. <laughs> Like, generally, though, you don't want to know those lads' opinions on anything, I think, to be honest. like, uh, oh, well, oh, well, I'm worse. Cause on, that graphs, uh, uh, <laughs> on, on that Graps and Claps, I, I, I do reference uh, wishing that Dino Bravo had been shot at birth. So maybe uh, maybe I've got more apologies to say to Dino Bravo's family than you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad that they're the things he's famous for, which is literally just, you know, it's bad haircut and, yeah, the mob stuff. That's it, really. Yeah. Smuggle some cigarettes, you know. Ends of the way you probably expected. The blue to jacket. There was a whole like I just got thinking the other day weirdly listening to that Survivor Series ninety and people of that era. The Beverly Brothers. Mm. I don't know why they stuck in my head for ages, and I remember re like because you spoke about like the way the Undertaker came out in nineteen ninety. Mm. Like it kind of like that was the first time I'm going. That's me, Mark Callis. And he was in WCW. What's going on? They never mentioned this. And it was like the first time. For everyone else, they're like, like oh, he's never wrestled before. It's like, mm. I don't know. 
I haven't watched his big red days yet, but you know, <laughs> like I've, I've got an idea that I've seen this bloke before. And it kind of felt the same way with the Beverly brothers. Cause I was aware that it was Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos. Mm-hmm. I don't know again why those names stick in there, but they were in the, uh, the AWA was still a thing in those magazines. And mm-hmm. they were like mentioning that a lot. And I was like, mm, yeah, remember that? Like, yeah. So I never, I never put it together. Like thing. years later when Mike Enos was in WCW as a jobber, I just thought, yeah, random jobber, Mike Enos in WCW. I had no idea. That was like the dude from the Valley. I don't think, I don't think I actually knew the Beverly brothers names. I think, I think at one point, I actually, weren't really missing much. I do. You're, I remember the Shaker Hill spike. I remember no Shaker Heights spike. Sorry, Shaker Heights. Yeah. Get that right. Yeah. Uh, I remember the purple gear, and I also remember like in 1996 when Doc Hendricks turned up in the WWF, looking at my old WWF VHSs, going, "Is that Doc Hendricks?" Like purely because of the mustache. Uh, I don't know whether that would have been Enos or the other one, but uh, it wasn't. I was wrong. He was a different tag team legend. Uh, <laughs> Legends of the Brothers. But no, you're right, JP. That was definitely was like the start of my smarkiness screaming at the TV. It's me, Mark Callis. Why don't you know it's me, Mark Callis? <laughs> those those Aptomags with those top tens were just like kind of smashing my world apart. I was like, what is IWCCW? And I must see it immediately. <laughs> How did you explain it to yourself as a kid? Like, I suppose you guys weren't kids, I suppose, at that point. But I remember like trying to explain why like Barry Windham was a stalker all of a sudden. Or why, like, you know, when people that go to the PCW, they completely drop their gimmick and just be a, a completely different human. Um, I don't really know how I explained it to myself, really. It was just like, you just accepted that. I think you're from an early age. You're like, okay, fine. It's a different place. Therefore, he's now a different human being. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Kevin Nash is a prime example of that. Mm. When you go from, Oz, like, is it Oz to Vinny Vegas mm. to Diesel? Mm. And it's just like, oh, fine. And I think at that point, it was like, he's a big bloke. That's primarily why he's there. Um, <laughs> apart from inexplicably appearing for a war coming Survivor Series, which <laughs> makes zero sense. Didn't do anything. No, he didn't. That fucking segment. <laughs> uh, I think Sid, Sid's the best one. Because like Sid got to be like, he was Sid Justice into WWF. Sid Vicious in WCW and then Psycho Sid back into WWF. He was just the same guy. They just kept getting put other names around Sid, really. There was no difference. Same faces he was pulling. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Same scissors he was pulling out. Yeah. Same terrible punches. Loved his softball. He did. And his bullshitting. <laughs> I sell him yeah. out 70,000 arenas. Where you fuck, mate? He gave, he gave me a fist bumper full of a wrestling the other year, and I will mm. never live that down. That was one of the coolest moments of my life, to be honest. So I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to bad words. I had visions of myself being in Madison Square Garden when he beat Sean for the title at a, speaking of Survivor Series 96. Um, still terrible wrestler. I still I think Sid was quite cool. Uh, there, was, there was there was nothing better than in the early WCW days, yeah. or even when he first went to WWF, where it was like Sid Vicious against John Smith, and it would just be like yeah. you know just local fat bloke who works in the garage just getting power bombed. Like oh, I used to love that, just getting absolute yeah. fucked up power bomb through a stretcher, like. The, uh, you, you know, you you think about star rating matches. There's there's definitely some people there who've took a three star ass kicking from for thirty seconds off Sid. Definitely, mm. yeah. It was always better in that full in that full body. He, like he used to wear the full yeah. like yotard almost in WCW. I always think it looked oh, a bit yeah. cool, cooler laugh. in that as well. Like yeah, yeah. Did he have that in the early Horseman run that he had? That sounds yeah, right. Was, uh, from memories, is it when he wore? Uh, he must have wore it against 
Sid, uh, sorry, against Sting at Halloween Havoc when uh, when Barry Windham did the the fake Sting uh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he looked cool as fuck then. They should have put the belt on him then. Fucking big bastard. I can remember when they were like, Jake, I didn't give a, like, was he any worse than Hogan, really? I mean, I know Hogan had the charisma and the rest of it, but I'm fucking sick of him. And I'll tell you what, I can remember when they changed the the um, sound for the bit where Hogan pulls his hand. Yeah, in that kind of which is the most heelish thing ever, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, at that point, it was like, like the kind of anti-Hogan stuff was kind of there seeping through, just going, mm. yeah, and he's fucking shit. Why are we? Why are these people cheering? It's just the same. It was Sid. They were getting behind on the uh, in it. <laughs> like I know Vince saw him as like you read like the observers back then, and like I don't melt it always. So like they, they literally had Sid as the idea of being like the next Hogan. Like that was the <laughs> that was what WrestleMania eight was going to be, and then Sid's going to Sid, and before long he's left the territory again. But you know, they had those kind of high hopes for him. He had the look. He was a good looking lad. Did but. I was going to say that was it. Like he just looked like when you say there about like he didn't do much more than Hogan or he wasn't much better than Hogan, but he just looked like a massive hard bastard and he wasn't some like balding like orange fellow with a bad muzzy either was he kind of thing. He had a he had a great look about him and there on that WrestleMania eight thing, I think I can't remember which podcast I was listening to, but they were, they were saying almost like he was told like yeah we're going to make you the new Hogan and he's like. Oh, but I want to be a heel, like you know. And you're like, you know, whatever. Vince McMahon's giving you the keys to the kingdom, and then you're, you're like putting your foot down over wanting to be. Yeah, you know, I still want to be a heel. Yeah, the, the bloke was never the fucking sharpest. Pair of scissors in the drawer, was he? <laughs> taking himself Black, too Blackburn does terrible things to a person, doesn't it? You go in there and he just fucking let yourself go. I, I, do you know what? I'm also fond of his ECW run. Just yeah. to quickly throw that in. When he come out a couple of times, kill people. Assume I assume he was a prick in the back, and then which he was, was gone. funny because he was like the type of wrestler you'd think DCW fans would be like, "Oh fuck yeah. you, WCW WWE guy." And he, as soon as he walked through the curtain, massive pop. Same as when Scott Hall turned up there. I was going to say Scott Hall, yeah. When that any great of that Fuji's entrance, best entrance of all time, by the way. <laughs> he would have had like potentially would have been a fascinating run if he could have gone six months rather than like two appearances, <sighs> but like. It was Scott Hall in the late 90s, so there was zero fucking chance of that happening. <laughs> One of the great missed opportunities that. I always used to think that, like, as a kid, Scott Hall was always my... You know when you'd say, like, the best wrestler who never won the world title? It was always <clears> Scott <throat> Hall for me. I don't know if it would quite be that these days, but he should have had his run on top somewhere. Uh, I, I know he got the title eventually, but the, if, if WCW pulled the trigger on Scott, Stein, Scott Steiner in like 1990, 1991, when oh, he could still yeah. like actually move and, mm. you know, like he, he was combined, like been a big guy as well as like the athleticism and stuff. That's that's always the big, great missed opportunity for me. I, I think they should have gone Steiner well earlier. Would you have like yeah. pushed Luger and Sting out of the way? Because that was the problem, wasn't it? Like that long time. Luger oh, was good though in the early days. Luger could be carried. He was around too much because yeah. there's two I think because I don't really think of Rick Rude's um, like kind of international title as a real world title run. Mm. So I look at Rick Rude as being the one where he should have been the WCW world champ. Mm. Like he really should have been. So, as soon as he came in, they should have put the belt on him and then gone to the Sting feud. So they were doing it over the US title, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was like he could have done that. You'd have had Steamboat series. You would have raised Dustin Rhodes and the rest of it. And he would have been perfect for that kind of time in 91 as well um, as a kind of mega heel that wasn't flair, like mm. just someone else to go with. The other one I would, Bam Bam Bigelow, um, 
to just love Bam Bam Bigelow. And there was that, I mean, I know it was the ECW title. You know, you would, yeah, you would classify that, I suppose, as much. But I always kind of think that, again, when he came into WCW, there would have been an argument for having a short run because given the fucking shit show they turned it into in 2000. Bam Bam's one who you can't believe he's been around that long. Like, you see him Mm. on, like, what Survivor Series he's on? It's not 90, is it? It's like 80 or 89, something like that. He's on one of the teams. And is then, it he's on, the, yeah. is it, he's on the first one, I think. Is it yeah, the first one, yeah. He's 87, I think, yeah. It's just, I don't think of him as an 80s wrestler in any way. You think of him as like a mid-90s guy, don't you? Um, but yeah, there's another... Always kind of looking the same as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Particularly because yeah. of the bald head, obviously. That's it, that's it. See, if, if, if the internet, if we were around back then, we'd be doing podcasts about how Scott Steiner deserved the mega push. Bam Bam Bigelow was... Uh, I'm sure there were message boards and letters being sent to, to Keller and Meltzer that were uh, of the type. Um, but yeah, missed opportunities there. It's funny though, because like there when you, you were saying before, when we were talking about like Undertaker and knowing it was me, Mark Callas and things like, I think even like PWI and Inside Wrestling and things like the letters pages and stuff. Like I always remember as a kid, like people writing in and slagging off WWF as, oh, it's all just, you know, cartoonish and it's just characters and things like that. It's not like real wrestling, like the NWA and things. So even there in like the kayfabe magazines, you know, you still had that like element, like writing in and, you know, slagging off the uh, the WWF. Good on them. <laughs> it, did, it did tell the bullshit story about the Von Merricks as well, those magazines. I used to feel so sorry for them. <laughs> and then and then I was aware of, like, why is Fritz von Eric winning the kind of most disgusting promotional tactic of the year when you're like, oh, God. <laughs> that, that's He's signing probably... his son's name onto fucking photos of his dead son. <laughs> well, now we know where, where problematic pro wrestling was born in the man in GP. Oh, mate, he was the is frame this the genesis? picture. He was up there on that on the Mount Rushmore of, of bad fuckers for that. Um, yeah, something that can never come back. But he was there. A couple of other people as well. Mark Rushmore, but a he bad was very much sounds the like a hero. What to do? To be. <laughs> in a way, Fritz just let the fucking kids go wild on the coke in Dallas, basically, didn't he? <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, there you go. Whistle top store from Survivor Series 90 to Sid to Fritz von Eric. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you how your weekends and stuff went, but I don't know if it seems uh, pales in comparison now. <laughs> Have you guys been busy while I've been moving? What have you been up to, JP? Not really. I'm watching a lot of sport, to mm. be honest. That's there. The 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 uh, fantasy league this week was a bad week. I mean, I thought it was Zaha, a pretty good week myself, got to be honest. Yeah, you, you two have much better weeks than me. F- fucking bastard coronavirus with Zaha and Salah. And and my own stubbornness to not get minus four, not to lose points on the transfer. It's like, no, fuck you, I can do this. Zaha, just before fucking kickoff, I was like, oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> and then, as, as always, a defender on the bench, you get six points. So I was just like, very unhappy with the whole experience. But on the Irish sport in front, it was a great weekend. Um, not the rugby, but Waterford and the hurling. Fucking great stuff through the All Ireland semi finals. Mental stuff this weekend. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Did the last you, you you week? I don't know what magic you pulled. No, I want to know more about the hail and JP. Does the lads watch it with you? Or was it like a solo yeah. thing? Or whole family rounds, you know? Big, big, well, big island day. No, just me and the kids. 
That's oh, great. Fun. They've got a great hurl inside this year. Like, really do. Lads from all over the place. I was talking with Jamesy about this and occasionally drop it into the chat for everyone else to deliberately kind of make you think, what the fuck are they talking about? Who are these people? Great sport hurling. You would love hurling. It's just a shame there's no crowds there. But it's, yeah, it's great stuff. It was also the 100th uh, anniversary of Bloody Sunday this weekend, which obviously happened at Croke Park. Sorry to bring down the tone there. Um, We're going to have a minute's silence. Glad you said that. No, um, yes, they had all that stuff. Brendan Gleeson reading it out, which on the heels of the apparently anti-English video that was shown by the Irish manager before the England game as well. It all sort of felt like everything tying in as a the big Gavin weekend. The didn't enjoy that. <laughs> they didn't, but again, and I've said this on here before, read a fucking history book. Like, it doesn't just start off with like, hmm, I wonder why this, I wonder why this patch of British, I, I'm going to, if I go down this route, we're going to get in fucking trouble. So I'm just going to stop. Stop at that point. Those people in the know know very much where I'm going with these statements. But. Are we playing that Partridge song at the end of the episode again? Uh, if we can, any excuse. But I was also thinking of when he refers to Sunday, bloody Sunday, really sums up the frustration of a Sunday. <laughs> Go to Ikea, wash the car, wash the kit. car. Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> oh, <fun laughs> well, that's a good yeah. Sunday. Did you? Yeah, Everton were, were, were all right. Pretty good, you know. Won a game. Did well in fancy totally football. Didn't realise that was on the BBC. We were, early doors. It's a great game. Same, yeah. I was like, I was thinking I'm going to have to fiddle around with like my mum's Sky Go login to get this game going. And then I realised it's on the iPlayer. Just throw it on the Chromecast. Dead quick. Got it all sorted. Uh, and then, yeah, we put a, a fortunate for a, for old Big Tone. Um, you know, yeah, beat his team there. Sorry, Tony, if, if you're listening. I'm sure you are. Uh, so that was fun. I enjoyed that. It was a good Sunday. And also I got to make fun of Gareth in the fancy football for the minimal time I was like 20 places above him and then it all came crashing down on Sunday night. But, you know, I'm sure Gareth's not going to gloat about that. He's too nice a guy. Oh, no, no, there's, there's, there's no way. Um, I've, t- I've t- told you there when that, that photo went in the group chat there of the league table that I didn't fit on the photo. That was, uh, <laughs> that, that was, I was like, I'm no comment in this. I'm just going to sit on this and just sit and wait. And then, and then la- I think last night we were just like ticking up. I was, I was like one point behind you during that Wolves-Southampton game. And I was just thinking, come on, just, just like one bonus point here or something. I was just urging to be able to take that photo and send it to the, the group chat, just one above you. But... Unfortunately, it uh, just 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 tucked in there nicely. Just just five points behind you. I'll uh, I'll just keep you uh, keep you excited for a while. <laughs> just below Martin still. Oh yeah, he's yeah. one one point above him. He's nice. No, same points. Oh okay, there you go. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's close there with the uh, the podcast. I've noticed Rob Reed's still on top um, with his five hundred and ninety three points, uh, leading the uh, leading the charge. Is Tony Khan's cousin still bottom? Sunil, he uh, is. Sunil's just a having a look at the minute. Yep, he is. He had a better week, though, in fairness. He's catching up to Heather Griffin. Um, both both there at the minute. Yeah, why does he... I mean, he's had Arsenal defenders in there, and God knows how they kept a clean sheet. What yeah, the fuck happened with your 80 million with it with Pepe? Pepe. Yeah, it is. Uh, how much did he cost you? It's cost you 80, 80 odd million? 72. Like Fucking hell. Yeah, that's when they decided to let Kia Jarabchin run the planes for a while. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, they're not very creative at the moment. They're desperately in need 
of uh, of some creativity in midfield because there's fuck all happening at the minute. William looks like he can't be asked most of the time as well. I'm not going to turn to an Arsenal ranking podcast. It's fine. I, did, I, did, I did see some stat the other day and it showed it was like Emery's last 25 games and Arteta's mm. first 25 or something. And it was, you know, Emery was ever so slightly ahead or something like that. I was thinking, I, I thought Arteta was the... I thought it was the great hope. It, it feels the media narrative is that he's turned things oh, around fuck. positively, yeah. but uh, but yeah, doesn't doesn't seem to be the case. I, I see where you're going. With this. <laughs> I'm not happy. All right. Look, the yeah, Irish did well. The Arsenal did bad. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a split week for you, JP. Not the rugby team. They lost to England, but fucking couldn't care. Nah. Um, rugby so- union. Yeah, rugby so. union, yeah, that's right. That's right? Sorry, definitely would happen in the rugby league. No way than that. No, I think Arteta's going to get it back together. I, I really do. There's just issues in issues in midfield. It, it was a shit show under Emery. Like he got lucky on that really long run where we just somehow didn't fucking lose for 23 games, and then it all went to pieces at the end. But I was at that Palace game, if you remember, with the. Jacket fucking throwing the armband down and swearing at the fans and all that stuff. Two all draw, VAR not on the screen. Twitter telling me that Arsenal should have had a perfectly good goal. Yeah. People absolutely enraged. My my son's birthday, he fucking loved it. He thought it was great. <laughs> it's the wild game. Don't, think- don't, don't worry, don't worry about it because uh, uh apart, the Premier League's just shite. Anyway, that's the only reason Liverpool uh, uh a, a, a top again, apparently. Uh, it's just the whole of the Premier League shite. It's, it's, it's been, been been shite for a season and a half. So, uh, so there you, there you go. <laughs> <I think laughs> you. Every, everyone else is everyone else is shite as well, JP. Uh, so don't don't uh, don't worry about it. I did yeah, see that line. You're just beating eighteen crap teams and spares. So you know you're pretty much you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind the fact you haven't got any players. Um. No, I was going to say, JP, before we start, by the way, that, that Arsenal game you just mentioned, is that the one where you met Stato? Because I feel like you were on the precipice of telling us a fun story about Stato and we cut you off before no, we press record. It's, it's, it's a pretty nondescript. There was... Um, Why did you meet Stato at an Arsenal game, JP? I wanted to bring this up. Oh, it was outside the ground. He was working for Eurosport. <laughs> but he's Stato. And he just went, yeah, and turned around. <laughs> His real name was Angus Lockwood. And I was like, all right, fuck off. And then I, I went into the... I went into the ground. This would have been about 91, 92. Oh, that's at the peak of his popularity as well. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't happy about it. But um, <laughs> he was on Eurosport. He did used to the Euro goals, a show that we've mentioned several times on here. And mm. it's really never gets enough credit. Like, God knows. I just want someone to up- upload those. Like, I did the old Football Italias onto YouTube. Mm. Kill an hour. Talking about Beppe Signori. But yeah, he was outside there. It's really uneventful. It's rather like the Daily Thompson story where he told me to fuck off. <laughs> I was about 10. <laughs> he did it with that smile on his face, like the one from the 84 Olympics. Is that this is at New River Sports Stadium. Tony Jarrett would be around there, Dalton Grant, the high jumper. They were quite nice. They also had a ton of football pitches and, a, and some basically fencing that you could climb through. Mm. So I'd always go down there. And then they had the crash mats and they were getting rid of them. So I took one back to mine. I was bumping like a motherfucker off the shed roof. Like, mum was livid about it. Um, but, yeah, she, she endured it for a while and then it got absolutely soaked in the rain. I digress. But, yeah, I w- we went there and he were like, you're Daley Thompson. And he turned around and like, fuck off. 
<laughs> Is that your line when you be people? I've said this before. Yeah, he did in that kind of deadpan way, but just a smile. It's like fuck off. You can't see. Are you insert blank and then they just insult you? But, uh, yeah. I'm guessing that's how it goes. Yeah. And it's not like I was like 35 when I did this, which might sound a bit weird, but like I was what 10. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll launch that. Daily Thompson, absolute cunt. <laughs> Fair <laughs> <enough>. the show title. <laughs> well, I'm glad I asked in that case. <laughs> I'm sure I've told this story on here before. Oh. I must have done. Well, well, tune in next week for more uh, stories of JP meeting celebrities. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ever There's met the Undertaker? Really good conversation. No, I haven't met the Undertaker. Certainly wouldn't pay a thousand pounds for a fucking fu- like message for him either hey Brian Alvarez did he paid a thousand pounds to get him to uh, to wish granny happy birthday did you see that one did he yeah like hey, that, 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 that observer must be uh, must be doing well money wise to uh, for our Brian to have uh, that cash down the back of the sofa you know to get a little they're so weird those videos like one who like okay I suppose we know the answer to who's paying a grand for them but like yeah like a thousand pounds for Undertaker to creepily like wish someone a happy birthday or like what was that one the one with like the the all elite lion or the all elite kangaroo or whatever he's called like wishing wishing him like a, a happy birthday or something so straight he'll literally say anything for money like we could definitely troll him maybe we could club together and uh against tell jp to fuck off or something no no let's let, let's let's get the uk undertaker to do one for <laughs> us yes <laughs> he'll do one for free he'll pay us <laughs> he's not quite as tall <laughs> like UK Undertaker makes sense I feel like as a gimmick but I remember like when I was like maybe 12 or something seeing an advert for like the, the Liverpool Empire that they had wrestling on and I was all excited to the point where I took the poster off the wall and took it home to put it on my own wall which as a young kid didn't really realise I was probably costing the promoter money and I'll probably get like threatening letters <laughs> to my door now for, for doing that and they probably thought it was some rival promoter doing it destroying uh, the business even yeah. fucking then weren't you it was dumb old me who just wanted the poster on my wall so I remember distinctly what the poster was it had Doink the Clown on it the Power Ranger and Undertaker 2 which is like is he the sequel like Brian Lee. Like, you know, like Terminator, Terminator 1 was pretty good. Terminator 2 was the superior, better box office one. I think that's what he was going for. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about it for the love of wrestling where there was that the UK Undertaker guy and he got his photo took with the Undertaker, didn't he? And like the actual Undertaker just, uh, he wasn't down with that. His face on that photo was a fucking picture. That's, that's one I definitely need to just dig out. And he de- definitely wasn't uh, enjoying this uh, this bogus Undertaker who's making coin off his back uh, um uh, been a bit on the same photo as him. Definitely find that. UK Undertaker put more effort in than the Undertaker did, like to the outfit that we yeah. did. The Undertaker, but like at least for these cameos, he's literally putting the get up on and, and giving her a go. He is a fucking dosser, isn't he? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, mate, Absolutely. these Trump donations aren't going to fund themselves. Oh, yeah. Fuck me. Hey. I did watch his, I think the best version of The Undertaker is I watched the Broken Skull session mm. and I'm like two hour one, him and Austin. Mm. And they're perfectly watchable mm. and entertaining. It's just like two lads from Texas fucking shooting the shit and going when he nearly burnt his skin off with the fucking pyro and the rest of it. And it, that's the, the kind of only version of Taker that I'm interested in seeing at all. I mean, obviously, I look forward to you know the spe- the real farewell in front of the the masses in Jeddah 
Um, I'm sure that's going to be like the real fucking. No, it's the real last ride at this point. <laughs> um, which, depending on what happens with the Saudis, given they just sat on the lawsuit, he would be taking his fucking life into his own hands, probably. Oh, yeah. I, th- um, I think I think the real last ride is when he's he's nineteen, he's in a fucking wheelchair, and he's taking that ride in a wheelchair down the aisle slowly with the you know the music as they're probably still wheeling him out just to milk another three thousand pounds out of him or something like that to sell a few posters or something like oh, that because yeah. I can see it happening. Isn't it? Yeah, this this is the thing. Like the reason he came back was purely because. AW were not AW, they were trying to get him for uh, for Starcast, weren't they? And Vince was terrified and they just threw a bit more money at him. He'll do anything for the cash right now. This is your Survivor Series review, by the way, everyone. Uh, we're both doing Survivor Series and, uh, you know, the death of The Undertaker, which is what it felt like uh, yeah. this, this last week. But, like, yeah. Except that... we've all been at the funeral a couple of times That's already before, and you're starting to think this feels like a hoax. He's still doing the Hall of Fame in, in March, April, like for WrestleMania. Like, so we've still got that to come as well. Like, is he going to. Jesus fucking Christ. Because that, that was always the thing, wasn't it? Like, he wouldn't do the, the Hall of Fame. Like, he wouldn't. Paul Bearer literally died and he wouldn't come out and do a speech because the, the story was he needs to protect his character. Mm. Like, somebody said that to me on Twitter this week. They're like, no, no, he didn't. He, he, was, he was purely. He just couldn't be asked with the Hall of Fame. Let's all be honest. He'll do. Like, that's my point with him. He'll do anything for money. Like, he. People act like. And there have been people kicking off this week. Like, well, we're joking about the cameo stuff, but people. Legitimately going, oh, I can't believe the Undertaker. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have done this back in the day. He was so protective over his character, and now he's just doing whatever. It's like, were these people like in a coma between the years two thousand and two thousand and three when he was like the American badass for three full years, like two of which were the most like financially successful, popular years, and maybe not financially successful, but most popular years in WWF history. Like. He was fine then. He'd get on his motorbike and, and just be regular Mark Calloway with his Undertaker flag fighting for the uh, f- fight, fighting for on uh, on behalf of uh, of Sarah uh, with that unfortunate <laughs> tattoo that he had on his neck. Fighting for the United States of America, doing hardcore matches like he was a budget Sandman. Like, do people just forget all of that stuff happens? Like, you turn up at UFCs. Dana White give him a couple of free tickets. He'll be front row. Yeah, did that Brock Lesnar angle a few years ago? I'm sure we all he remember that. About that. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, you know, it was busy. I'm, I'm doing business. He walked past me. All this stuff. Yeah, like, of course you were. Mate. Of course you were. But this, this idea that he, like he, he protected his character over the years, and like you know, he, he did it. He actually did an interview with with Steph last week where he, where she asked him about it, and he was saying, you know, I went really, I was trying really hard to like, you know, it was hard to be live a bit of a recluse, and you know, not not you know, I had to be careful about where I went and where I ate and restaurants and stuff. I was just watching. Fuck off. Like, you, you, should have checked the titty bars. Yeah. That's probably where they would have been, wouldn't they? I'm sure the but him, him and the whole. I'm BSK. sure the BSK were out at the uh, at the strip joints. Yeah, it just it's a myth to me, really. I don't get it. I just doesn't. And it all adds up to like this whole weekend of like always oh, retiring the Undertaker character. Now it means nothing to me. It just means absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's never been like it's never been somebody who's been like a particular favorite of mine anyway. But I just like and. I, I just love so much just this I, I, to laugh at the just the the person like 
making him more of a human being in the last uh, in the last couple of years and like and especially like seeing all the stuff with like michelle mccool on the doc documentaries and stuff and like i just like you saying there about those broken skull sessions with with austin and like they're having like the whiskey and i can kind of see him looking up and i've just got like a visions of michelle mccool just kind of like off camera just like tapping her watch like Mark, <laughs> it's only two o'clock you know kind of thing shouldn't be having a whiskey at two in the afternoon and stuff you know it just it feels <laughs> at what point he turns it down <laughs> <laughs> he's got the beer there. He's starting to look like he he can. He's feeling the drink, frankly. Well, you know, he's had a rough life, you know. Um, yeah, I, 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 there is some of that, isn't there? Like she's dragged him onto Instagram and the like and stuff. So maybe she has modernised him a little bit. But, she's responsible for that. God is dope stuff. Uh, well, that's the thing. Like if he was, <laughs> he comes across as like. Maybe humble's probably the wrong word because he's Undertaker, but like I feel like he doesn't come across as. I know Joe always hates them, but he doesn't come across as the worst bloke. Like, but unfortunately, you see his t-shirts and you think, well, maybe he is the worst bloke. Um, <laughs> there is that uh, that problem. Just exists in a bubble, doesn't he? And he's done doesn't very well world. out of it. Like that's ultimately it. It's like he just views Vince as the man who made him this multi-millionaire, and he had this kind of life and this bloody character that really does need to go away for good i don't want to hear about it but do you really think he's not gonna be back around mania in some kind of context of course he will. like hall of fame of he's, he he's going in the hall of fame so he'll be there yeah. and he'll be there to bury some young talent <laughs> that's like because and that's and that's what it was and again he was speaking about brock not needing it mm. you know should have done it to young talent. it's like did you not wrestle CM Punk the year before, or something like that? You know, to be fair, Rock done... stuck around longer than than, than Punk. Yeah, did. his argument was it should have been Reigns, and yeah, is that what he said? Been... Yeah, that's what he said that's on there. But again, I've I've taken. If there's one thing I kind of learned over the course of this year, I just assume everyone in wrestling lies until proven otherwise. Mm. Um, it's a shocking indictment, but like I kind of I I hear him talk. And immediately I go, did he work Memphis in those territories? Yeah, right. He's probably a bullshit. And then we just sort of like, and then just draw it at that line. I wouldn't trust him to get me a bag of fucking crisps, but that's some fucking shenanigans going on. <laughs> that is the thing going for him, though, isn't it? The longevity, like, you know, as much as, like, I hated the Survivor Series stuff. And, it, you know, the whole, like, oh, he's been around 30 years. It's exactly 30 years he's retiring. And then we get this 20-minute drawn-out segment, probably longer than that. Like, I hated all of that. But, I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that, like, he was around during, you know, we started the podcast talking, like, 1990 wrestling. Like, he was around at that 1990 Survivor mm. Series. He's He was around for the new generation. He was around for the Attitude Era. He was around for the Invasion. And then he was around for, like, the, I suppose you would call it, like, WrestleMania or Modern Era yeah. or whatever. Obviously, been diminishing returns the eight years since he uh, first gave the indication he was retiring. But I just think that that's... That is, there's something to be said for that, that he was around during that entire period. Yeah, I, I, I don't give points for persistence. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's, it's uh, you know, we, we could, we can, everyone can always stick around uh, longer than they, they should have done. I, th- I think the real uh, credit goes to people who know when the right time is to bow out and, you know, look That's after their legacy and, and, and things like that. Because, again, like I say, as much as I've never been a massive fan of him, if he'd actually bowed out like six years ago, seven years ago or something like that, I'd probably have 
held his retirement in a bit more esteem than I'm holding it now, where essentially it's just a big joke, I feel. Like, you know, it's, it's you know, him coming out to some soulless, empty arena, you oh, know, like so struggl- struggling down to the down to the ring just doing his same old you know same old act and you're just like come on like yeah yeah like how, how, how many times have we now seen you embarrassingly wheel your carcass out for the last uh, few years in different scenarios be it a wrestlemania match that you can't work because you can't go anymore or be it like doing some show in saudi arabia that you shouldn't be on anyway and you know again just absolutely you know destroying I mean, that match was the worst fucking match, wasn't it? That tag team match. God, if if anything could have gone wrong in that match, you know, it, it, it would it would have gone wrong. And just think, these people, they just need to know when, you know, when the time's right to just give it up. And yeah, you definitely should have done that. So like you say, it's like, it's like, yeah, it, for me, it's sticking around for a long time is not is not a uh, is is not a positive. He should have fucked off years ago, and I wish he had. <laughs> wow. <Well. laughs> that whole segment felt like a fucking eternity it really did it did it was bad why, why did they bring everyone out jp what, why did they bring him out I, I, nothing I, happened I, I assumed i missed something mm. did they do anything no they made an entrance in what was now that you think back on it how clearly was that pretext like that was well done in the afternoon because they all just disappeared don't they for the the ghost of vincent manta to come out and appear it was just odd they had to edit out the big circle jerk to the urn. <laughs> oh, that was good as well, yes. Yeah, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Triple H can just wander around. <laughs> Is that why Kane was wearing a mask? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, the Goblins didn't have their slot buckets with them. <laughs> I was going to say, that's why they were wearing overalls. <laughs> It all makes sense now. Everyone else is dressed in a suit. Did, did, did anyone else, by the way, not know which one was Phineas and which one was Henry? Like, which, which of the two of them was Midian? I couldn't work it out. Like, I was staring I at them the entire match. the smaller one, but... Yeah. Do you reckon? I, I, I yeah. thought it might be the other way around. That was fucking weird. Coming out to the music. <laughs> like I said, they, they, them and Kane came out in gimmick. Everyone else was wearing nice suits. Like, what was yeah. that <laughs> Nash and Booker T and then Main Event Mafia Best and then it just come two oh. lads in fucking overalls. I loved it when Nash came out and it's just like there I was looking to see how he was walking. He's walking good. He's oh, had his knees down up a bit. He, he, yeah. There's part of me thinks Big Sexy's got one more match in him. <laughs> Will he be good? Absolutely not. Do I want it to be good? Not really. Like I I'd, I'd love to see I think one more. Hmm. Now, now I say this about the Undertaker not going away, but if he's there doing his Hall of, Hall of Fame speech and Big Sexy comes out and power bombs him off the stage, then uh, yes. you know I'll, I'll, I'll be up for that the following day. Somebody <laughs> sent Big Sexy a text. That's what it'll be, and we'll, we'll get that mystery uh, solved again from the <laughs> <laughs> uh, It was funny watching it though, wasn't it? Watching all these because uh, I, I was like, are they, are they bringing them out in like order of like overness? Because like it felt like when Triple H came out, I was like, oh my god. Have they saved Triple H for last? Does he have to flare on purpose? Like, I was glad that at least Kane came out after him. Uh, but it felt a little bit like there was a hierarchy there in, uh, in the order of people coming out. Yeah. And it's always... Sorry, he's always at least sort of five or six places, like, above where he should be. Yeah. He should be, like, seventh or eighth, mm. being honest. Mm. 
That's Triple H. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at the order there. HBK, then Flair, then Triple H. Clearly just putting himself above uh, above Flair and uh, Shawn Michaels in his own head there. But like you say, <laughs> at, least, uh, at least at least Kane came out and uh, just sort of disrupted the order a little bit there. But uh, I'm surprised that you're talking about him being in full gear, though, Ben, because obviously he's, he's protecting the gimmick that he's protected so well over the years, Kane, there. You know, we don't want people getting angry. And so, he literally you know, wears a suit in his day job. What the fuck? We all know what he looks like. He's a politician. He's the mayor of a town in Tennessee. I think Vince was just having a laugh. I think Vince just thought it was funny to make the goblins wear their overalls and make Kane wear a mask. Yeah, just just the it's like the idea of having a birthday party and and telling about two or three people's fancy dress. Go wild, (laughs) you know. Before you know, you're turning up to a christening in a fucking scream costume, (laughs) Uh, aren't you? It's like Jesus. Sounds like you're talking from experience here, JP. I did wear wear a scream costume at a Halloween party. It's kind of frightening. I, I would say, like, you can really kind of scare people, especially if you've gone for a piss and they're waiting outside. You open the door and you're there in a screen costume with a fake knife. People react. They assume this could all be the night where it goes horribly wrong. Nothing happens. Well, I stress that above all else. Are you going to say that, are you? Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, hiding in plain sight, describing the murders that I did. I haven't murdered anyone. Disclaimer. What did Vince look like, though? Oh like, my god! Like it, it, like it was like a Madame Tussauds version of Vince or something, wasn't it? Like Jesus Christ! Like uh, I, I just can't. I was like looking at him, thinking like, what surgery has he had done? Like his lips and his eyes all funny, his fucking eyebrows all drawn in, his face just like purse like rubber or something. Like oh god, the man looks terrible. Like. It looks like he's had his eyebrows done, but it also looked like he'd had Botox at the same time. Like, he, it was scary, wasn't it? Like, he looked like fucking the Joker or something. It was just, like, it was he all... like a bird. He like a turkey. <laughs> right, Christmas, the fucking goggly eyes and his nose and his, like, mm. puffed well, up was, lips. It was the 30-year anniversary of the gobbledygooker as well, so maybe, yeah. It, was, uh, yeah. maybe it was going to replicate that. <laughs> In some sort of cat style way, uh, yeah, he looked. He didn't look good. No, read into that what you will. He looked the worst. He's looked. Yeah, he did look the worst. He looked the smallest he I could ever remember him looking. Mm. Like all of that kind of, and not that far removed from his fucking roid rage days. Mm. He's like kind of jacked to the gills, mm. and he he looks he looks like an an old man. He really does. And he can't really pretend that he doesn't look that way. And he's the kind of person who'll notice the reaction to this and it will be the kind of thing that will really stick with him. And so it makes you wonder kind of how he'd feel about appearing in front of camera if he can't be who he was. Mm. He still has the voice, weirdly, doesn't he? Yeah. Kind of. But even then, it's failing him. It's failing him. And then... But then when he chokes up, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not sure you're capable of any emotions, mm-hmm. other than I've outfritzed Fritz. Like <laughs> that's possibly the only kind of like that kind of smug glory. Do you think uh, Shane will ever get a send off like this? Do you reckon he's ever been nice this nice to Shane? Probably hasn't, has he? He'll get a graphic at the start of the show <laughs> if he died. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bet, you know. I want to put a bet on with Paddy Power that Shane dies before Vince. I just, I've got a feeling on it. 
And then a midget will come out in that Shane O'Mac baseball top and they'll have the fucking main heel just beat shit out of him. Jesus. I love it. Yeah. So that whole segment it was rough. One entire waste of time. There was one nice bit I did enjoy. I mean, it was kind of weird, but the Paul Bear, the fact that they did something for Paul Bear, I think was good. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird hologram. It wasn't exactly a Tupac uh, live at Coachella, but it was, you know, it, it was well, a, it was an attempt. Yeah, that, that kind of fun. eight-bit version of the Undertaker's theme mm. that they played that was meant to sound like electricity. <laughs> it was just like fucking awful. They tried very hard with the production. Like they, that that the chanting where they tried to get it to like go oh. along with the words he was saying. It, uh, Undertaker like looking out morosely at this empty stage of like video screens. Like it's this really sad moment, and yeah, they're trying to play like "Thank You Taker" and they're trying to get like. He tried to like sync it up, didn't he, with like the rest in peace at the end, and it just fell on its face. Oh, it couldn't have been, couldn't have been more overproduced than fake. Yeah, like a lot of the show, really. To be <laughs> pretty yeah. much, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, that, that video, that video was pretty good beforehand. I'll give it if I'm going to give him some credit. I quite the, meta- the one with the Metallica song, the Metallica music. Just seeing like the little clips from down over the years, I thought that was. Uh, just for a little, uh, little burst of nostalgia to a decent tune, kind of thing. That was about as that was about as good as it got, really, wasn't it? Yeah, wrestling's always good when you use real music. Who knew? Yeah, it's always enhanced. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was just odd, and like I say, it went on probably about forty minutes, um, and it was just a weird. And it, I, I, even like the choice of the dudes, like I was like, why, why, why is Jeff Hardy like this famous? Is Booker T a famous Undertaker Marvel? Mm. Like, why is he here? I mean, I'm glad Savio Vega got a payday. Um, I'll take that. MLW legend, uh, Savio Vega, uh, which we might talk about later, JP. Uh, <laughs> so we got, we got the Bone Squeak crew on uh, on WFTV in, in two, 2020. So I'll take that. But yeah, it was just, it was rough all in all, wasn't it? Um, and it, it kind of sums up that pay-per-view because I'll tell you what, it's, it's another one. I, I watched it, but like... Phew, Nothing really. I mean, I, we've had like a little run where we we don't often talk to WWE shows on this show, but when we have, the pay per views have been all right. You know, not not terrible mostly, but now I think we're uh, we're seeing reality. And uh, you know, this was just it was a show, wasn't it? Uh, unless one of you guys is going to shock me and give uh, Roman and Drew for the uh, you know the the very important champion versus champion match that they uh, built up for a week. Uh, a good old four or five stars on grapple. Um, I don't really know what meat there is to particularly talk about from a from a match point of view. There are people look at it, like out there who are highly rating that thing. Yeah, I did see a couple of, of uh, head scratcher ratings on uh, on grapple, but I did see you say on Twitter that overall it was uh, pretty consistent overall for uh, for all Reigns and Drew. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that like online. I know uh, I saw Voices of Wrestling took some. You know, they were sort of. Taking some stick for not thinking it was a five star match or something, you know, which you know, it fucking wasn't. Like and, and, <laughs> and God, you know, like I kind of went into it, you know, catching up on that today, like with a, a bit of an open mind. And I thought, okay, yeah, people are it, it is sort of averaging out in that sort of three to four um, mark there with with people. But you know, some people really like it, so let's give it a go and and, and see. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it was. It was it was one of them where it was it was a perfectly fine match. I think I'd give it like three point five or three point two five or something something like that. It was you know it was at, at the start of the match. I thought they didn't do a bad job of kind of you know 
giving you an element of kind of investment in it from something that was relatively cold just the way that like drew and roman reacted to each other before you know before the before the match but once it went in there it was just a match it was just mm-hmm. a match that would be could be on raw could be on smackdown could be could be could be anything there was there was literally there was like nothing that took place in there that was that was wow in any way and that you still had things like someone getting speared through a barricade while all the people on the tv screens at home went wild and i was thinking have they never watched wrestling before oh, in their I lives or that. something like that is, I hate is, this so the first, is, is this the first time that they've seen somebody get like speared through a barricade like because people were losing their minds i was thinking do these people actually exist do, like uh, is it is this i get real? it if it's live if and you're there through, if you're in the front row and they come crashing into you, that's quite a cool oh, thing to happen to you, isn't it? But like, yeah, we've seen it like 50 maybe. times. Yeah, but like, it just felt to me like, it was almost like they decided that they were going to try and make this some kind of like epic. It felt like they were using every mechanic available to them that was outside of the ring to try and do that with the the, the crowd noise grated on me in this match more than like any other match I think I've seen during the whole like lockdown period where just the, the volume getting higher and higher and higher and just like, you know, piping in the the the, the chances as, as we got further through it, you know, Michael Cole absolutely losing his shit more than I've ever heard him lose his shit for a while on commentary. And, you know, he was like absolutely incredulous. And all the while you're just thinking like, this is just a match. And I was, I was uh, watching out for something like, come on, there's got to be something here. There's got to be some element of this that has got some people out there thinking that this is, you know, worthy of giving four and a half plus stars kind of thing but there was literally like nothing nothing there i, I mean i like rain so I, I don't think drew mcintyre is capable of you know working at that level anyway but yeah god for me it was just a it was just a a very a very middling match and i'd, I'd probably be surprised if uh if uh if you thought any different jp no you completely taken a lot of the words out of my mouth really for it it <laughs> I didn't believe there was no stakes, but then you could say that for the entirety of this show, like the the entire brand supremacy thing is just leaves me so cold. You might as well have K, KPIs in a briefcase match, you know, like <laughs> because what does it mean at this stage? Like none of it. The brand supremacy. It's a t-shirt. I hate it it's so what, much. All oh, those t-shirts. I hate it so oh. much. It just made me want to end the whole brand split and just go back to telling fucking normal so with one champion because mm-hmm. then all it is is you have two intercontinental champions and these two guys it's really what you have mm-hmm. and like below that you've got like the you know they just everything's middling because there isn't like a focal di- really like a focal direction and they're trying to with this but this was a WWE main event match which includes those elements that he likes. And you talk about the crowd noise stuff. I think that the issue is, is I think Vince loves it because he gets to control the crowd. It's the one thing he's always wanted to do, be the thing that's always bothered him. And now he gets to do it. Yeah. Um, and then they do this stuff in front of a load of people with headphones on, just like watch just their faces close up. It's just sort of really bizarre. And, it's not that, like, I'm probably that little bit higher on McIntyre. I just kind of always believe that, like, he has everything you kind of would prototypically want in a main eventer. Mm. His timing is awful. Like, it really is. That's that's kind of part of it. Because I think he, like, the issue is, in terms of the matches, it's like he's coming out of, like, a Randy Orton feud into this, isn't it, as well? So he's already been heated up mm. for it, necessarily. 
Roman stuff, the kind of shtick. I mean, and don't get me wrong, he's like the kind of best thing they have. Oh, but he was he's great yeah. to build up to this. Like I don't yeah. often watch SmackDown, but I watched a bit of SmackDown on Friday and the minimal build they did for the show, that sit down they did with him and Drew, like you know, it was one of the benefits of WWE TV with 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 you know the no crowd as they try stuff like that where there's no microphone and they're just talking to each other. He was fun. I'm not saying he was Oscar worthy. I'm not going to lose my mind over it. But he is so good in that role of being just that shit with his you know brand new teeth and his just disdain for for Drew and and the fans in general. So much. He's got so much personality that we've never seen before. It's just a shame it's coming out now. I thought he did a good job of building this up. Yeah, look, there's a theme in this, which is all of this is three years too late. Mm. And we can go for the documentary that we're going to talk about in a bit as well. Everything is like three years too late. You do this in front of a crowd and everything else. It's great. You build a match at Mania with The Rock. It's great. You know, you have this mega run before he goes, mega heel run before he goes into his face run. It all makes sense. He beats Brock along the way, like a kind of face Brock Lesnar with Heyman in his corner and that kind of stuff. You can do all of that. Um, they could have done all of that. But like now, problem I have is kind of the environment. Mm. And I won't lie, the phrase like Island Chief references to tables. Like, don't get me wrong. The idea of the story of the Jey Uso stuff is, I actually think is is quite good for what it is. It's like the most... It's like the best piece of kind of storytelling they have is mm. their relationship. But my God, the problem is, is they're letting the writers involved. Imagine if you let them be them. That's the like the kind of thing I came away from. It's like they'd stopped feeding him these words and they just sort of, you just had Reigns listening to Heyman and kind of being himself. And it would just be, I think it'd just be so much better. But yeah, a match like this. But at the end of the day, it didn't mean anything, this match. And because the brand split doesn't mean anything. Mm. So the entire premise of the show felt entirely meaningless. You're going to hear me be negative about pretty much most things <laughs> on this show. And even though this match is the high end of it, and I think I went as high as three and a half because I generally thought these two are good. That was like kind of that's that's as high as this show ever got. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to say, like for, yeah, for me, it all kind of just boiled down to stakes for for, mm. for me. The fact that everything on this on this pay per view just felt absolutely worthless and meaningless. And I, I think, especially like you've referenced previously, obviously, I did that podcast at the weekend with with Graps and Claps looking at Survivor Series ninety and. Given that you know, I've kind of come from watching that to watching this, whereas I looked at that event there and you had like you know. The, in those team environments, there were so many stories running through them. Like with your your team captains and your team members, there were there were feuds that had been going on that were that were either had been going on for the best part of the the previous year, or there were feuds that they were then like developing that were going to feed forward into the next WrestleMania. But across those teams, you probably had like eight different feuds or storylines that were that were were worked into those that had, had like been been planned properly. And then even when Survivor Series. When they moved away from doing the team thing on Survivor Series, then at least when the Survivor Series events became sort of standalone, then at least it was like a world title match and it was an IC title match and a tag title match and things like that. They had like, you know, th there was a reason to watch. Whereas like literally every match here, I was just thinking, well, like, what? 
why why is this happening? What is the what is the point point of this? What was the was the tagline like the best of the best or something like that? And it was like they didn't make it feel at any point like that I, that that one this whole event was built to determine who is the you know who 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 is the who is the best of them. And it just been oh it's this champion against this champion um, sort of thing. Mm. But it, it just the and and the fact that everything was just thrown together with like in the previous you know six days or twelve days or something like that. Then it wasn't even enough time for anything to like feed into it to to make you even care about the the reason that these the, these people were going against each other and especially where you had people like it was supposed to be the you know the blue t shirts against the red t shirts or whatever and you've mm. got somebody on the red team who was wearing a fucking blue t shirt two weeks ago or something like that or a month ago or whatever you know you know for the the last bloody you know brand refresh happened or whatever sort of thing you know so like great now so this person who's been on this this one brand supposedly just because they've switched it you know switched switch shows a couple of weeks ago is now supposed to be entirely invested in making this particular brand win that why in, in, in what world kind of thing like it's just mm. it's just utterly utterly pointless and meaningless and like i just can't see like to like to this day how they get away from this idea of having a heels versus faces if you're going to do that team thing it's 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 the best way for it to work and having it all mashed up and it being brand versus brand like it it literally never works and you know god it just it, it just with that being the first match on the show as well the raw versus smackdown so that was a match it just totally kind of just put me on a downer from the off really yeah i think it's i mean i think the thing is it can work like you could easily do mm. brand versus brand and make it work in in another company in another universe where it isn't you know about t-shirts which is kind of what this boils down to it's geeks in, in geeks who for some reason have loyalty to a monday night tv show versus geeks who for some reason have loyalty to a friday night tv show that's been about from the start like from the early drafts when you'd have like big show and jbl sat backstage cheering because john cena got tra- drafted to their brand and it was always like hang on this isn't a team sport like why, why are you happy that he's coming to your show makes no sense um, but I do think you could, you know, if you if you had st- like you said, stakes is the issue. If there were stakes at, at it, you know, you got I don't know, first draft in the rumble or something, or you know, this thing it's fake in it. You can you can make things up. You can make it mean something if you want. Because in a way, I do get it. Because I think Survivor Series was always part of, you know, we think of it as, as all the fans as part of the big four. But it wasn't, you know, once it got to, like, the 90s and early 2000s, they killed it, uh, you know. And to be fair, four-on-four matches, a card of four-on-four matches isn't the selling point maybe it was earlier on. And you do need juice to it, you need, you know, and you can do that. You can have stables, you can have, you know, a big feud that culminates here, like like a War Games or something. You can have brand versus brand and somehow make it work um, if, again... You're not being led by Vincent Manners and his obsession with the different coloured T-shirts. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's a completely lost cause to, to do it. It's just, it's the execution of it. It's, like I say, it, it is purely that, that they've, they they don't think these things through. They do it a few mm. weeks after the draft and then we're all supposed to care and nobody does care. And they put them they put themselves into a corner with that main event, you know, where they have to, you know, uh, find a way out of, you know, beating one of their two champions. Um, and it's almost like the night of the show. They've realised, oh, yeah, shit got to do that haven't we? we've got to figure out what we're going to do here and we'll as yep. much as i personally enjoy the uso nonsense and i, to, I even i i mean i don't you mentioned before about the verbiage jp i don't mind it i think the tribal chief stuff it feels like it comes from them to me it feels like it comes from roman and and those lads maybe they overdo it 
but I mm. do think Heyman's got a got a heavy hand in this stuff. But mm. I think I'm just higher on that stuff than than you are. Um, but that was that that was what I was th- coming out of the show. That was the positive for me. Like the I want to see what happens with Brains and Uso. I don't care that I couldn't tell mm. you right now whether Raw or SmackDown won. It doesn't matter because like three days later, who even cares? Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned, sorry, to go back onto the coloured T-shirt thing just for one second. What I thought of during this was, did either of you watch Red Dwarf? Yeah. The cat. (laughs) All the descendants of the cat that he had. Mm. And the fight they had over the burger stand and the colour of it, I think it was, that he was going to set up. And they had an entire war and like loads of them died as a result of this pointless thing. That meant nothing, and he didn't care because they both got the colour wrong anyway to the one that he wanted. And it f- sort of feels like that. It's just like the the like there's just zero focus on this. And I think the problem is when you talk about it as a big four pay per view, it's like why is it a big four pay per view? At least that's something unique with the four and four matches. I am always flabbergasted they never went back to the ultimate survivor option because I think you could have built basically a new star every year if you wanted to do that as being the ultimate survivor kind of lead to maybe a, a good number in the Royal Rumble, say, for example. You could link these things in there. You can do They can do things around this, but like you say, the, the focus is entirely off. But it, it's a show that was meant to feel special. I don't know, it just felt worse than any of the other WWE stuff I'd seen in recent months, which isn't much, to be fair. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the bin shows recently we've been quite positive on. This just isn't one of them. Um, no. I, I was going to say, if you bring about retro ideas, JP, I'd be bringing back the wild card match from '96. I love that baby faces and heels all uh, getting randomly assigned teams. Actually, that does sound a bit too modern. WWE maybe, battle ball. Maybe mate. they shouldn't. They're so good. Yeah, bring battle ball back. There you go. If you bring a battle back, dude, maybe that's a better one. Um, Omos in the Bill Casmire role. <laughs> but whatever I, his name is. <laughs> but I am tempted before we move on to say to you any of the highlights from the show. But I'm guessing you're the same as me. It was just. It was a bunch of matches, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Like I say, the, the opener was a bunch of lads in t-shirts. Always notable who wears the t-shirts and who doesn't. Um, remember that year when Triple H made sure he, he didn't wear one? Um, <laughs> show, 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 like, you know, some, some Randy Orton will often, uh, often skip out on that duty. Uh, I've always got extra respect for anyone who doesn't wear the t-shirt. Uh, I think Keith Lee opted not to on this show, so maybe he stood up for himself a bit. Um, but yeah, that. I don't know. I haven't really got much on those matches. I thought. What was the Seth Rollins stuff about? I think they're writing them off. Pretty sure. Don't know. What for paternity leave? I think so. Yeah, I assume so. Right. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Absolute fucking nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you say know. best thing on the show. I, Sasha Banks Asuka was fine. Mm. Again, it was just a match. Mm. Just a match. Didn't really mean anything. Mm. But yeah. So overall, like, I found myself, like, yeah, you say highlights from the show. I'm like, bits of Montez Ford, seeing the New Day work slightly as a heel. That was okay, it was a tag any... match. It was a very house show, but it was a good tag match. Yep, it was a very house show tag match, and it, it, it was it was fine. I see why people go on about Montez Ford. I can see why they did, they did a very long promo before it, but my God, just a nothing show. And as time went on during it, there was some stuff like, I just don't understand why it was there. I don't understand the point of the match, Sami Zayn versus Bobby Lashley. I, I just didn't know what that was. Or Vin, what that Vince was getting his laughs in at the lib getting beaten up. That's what it is. The, 
His version of liberals are what? Che Guevara. <laughs> is that what he assumes that they are? Oh, that's what he's going for. You know he loves it. You know he loves having Sami Zayn as a, as a heel character who's actually right about everything. It fucks in the head, isn't he, Vince? If this is what he thinks. But that match, I didn't know what exists. I didn't know what the story was in the match. Heel versus heel with people on the outside not doing anything and a clean win. I was like, that that's 10 minutes. I'm just not getting back. And it never needed to exist. There was no reason for it to. And it's just a series of matches like that. Yeah. This is, I don't know if it was worse than Mania, because I think it, the overall matches are shorter than Mania. But I did find myself at the end of this show being quite disappointed that I'd spent this time, like, kind of watching this show. There you go. That's a damning indictment. <laughs> did anything do any, anything on Grapple, Gareth? What, were like, what was, like, the overall kind of consensus? I mean, you had a couple of things there that like came in the in in the mid range. So, like we talked about that Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns, like mm-hmm. that's got a three point six one on average on the app. You know, I'm looking at yeah, I, I did go three point five on that, so you know, relatively in the the same range as that. Ask a Sasha Banks, that's like three point five on the nose. And again, you know, I gave that three point five myself. That was a good match, but you know, they've got more in them, kind of thing. I think that for me, that was one of the that was probably maybe the only match where you kind of got an element of spirit of competition came through or something like that where they were you know, some good sequences and it was there like some good back yeah, and forth yeah, yeah. Like where they were both going for pins like the little counters there and stuff they did they do work well together yeah i, th- I think that was the, like the only one where it, it felt like a genuine contest where they were actually kind of like you know you know fighting to you know Prove that one was better than the other, sort of thing. So I think that 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 came across well, but you know, clearly they've, they've got more in them there. And I mean, the the Street Profits New Day match, that's the third highest at like three point three four average. I went three on that. You know, it's Same. to me that was just a match. It was just a solid. I mean, what did you just go there? Then like a house show match kind of thing. Four house yeah, show match. Yeah, I went three point two five actually. Go on, put on, you know, put on a you know relatively entertaining match. Don't do too much, and and it was, and it was fine, and it was you know reasonably well worked and things. I, th- I think the only thing there that came across with Montez Ford for me was as as talented is as talented as he is. I almost feel like he spent too much time in the PC or something like that because he was mm. just either, he, he was a bit hammy kind of thing at times with me and you know with some of his uh, I don't know some of some of his some of his. Um, gestures and saying certain things and looking down the camera in a certain way as he did them and things. I was thinking, oh God, he's been getting drama 101 in the PC off somebody kind of thing there. So I was thinking, yeah, you just need to dial that back a bit, mate, because you can clearly, uh, you can clearly get, go in the in the ring. And I just, I just think that was an, again, as we say every single time, it was just one of those things that just sort of bled through with other people as well. Um, from things there, like I, I thought the the rain stuff like again he was just a bit too much a bit like a bit a bit too many verbals coming out of him in the way he was he, he was he was presented there and um you know again i think obviously the Seth Rollins stuff was like very kind of like over the top and things like that as well and i, I don't know it's clearly the route they're going for and it's clearly not for me but you know i, th- I, th- I think as over uh, overall this was just one of those those things that it was distinctly missable you know that you don't come out of this thinking like well i desperately needed to watch that event because it's going to have consequences leading into the next pay-per-view or leading into whatever the royal rumble next year or something like that you know so 
it's one of them fine if you you know fine if you want to watch it and there's a couple of middle in matches there really but it's uh, certainly not essential no definitely not um, essential maybe to like I say, get to see Savio Vega in the Godlands maybe um, but that's about it that's about it really and fast forward that because that segment lasts forever um, but yeah good job lads we're not a, a WWE centric paper, uh, podcast because lord god the people out there who managed to find uh, interesting like we've got like big takes on like the, the, the forward direction of WWE and the, the booking of like like JP said before the Seth Rollins and the like I just come out of these shows just thinking you know what? I don't care. I'm glad I don't care. I don't even listen to Raw podcasts on a Tuesday morning anymore. I don't care what happens. Uh, I might tune into SmackDown every now and then because, as I said, that, that Roman stuff's a bit of a guilty pleasure in my mind. But other than that, I just don't care. And I don't feel like I'm missing much. Uh, and that's kind of well, the lesson here. There was a line at the start of the show. I think it was Cole. And he said, like, can you guys believe it's the 10th Survivor Series event that Sheamus has appeared in? And I was, <laughs> wow. I, was thinking, I was thinking it feels more like 20, to be honest. But I was like, if, if, if fucking, I was like, 10? Like, Jesus, you know, it just sort of like, uh, as someone, you know, as just a prime example of just needing to freshen something up and things like that, the, the idea that, like, you know, Sheamus has put a decade in of doing these events, it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty pretty damning from from my perspective. Um, I just want to ask you about that that one thing you mentioned. Roman's teeth is that legit? Has he had his teeth done? Because I I couldn't stop looking at them during the his Bobby Firmino teeth <laughs> during the main event. There, I, I, was like, I uh, think he's been to the same uh, same uh, cosmetic places as Vince. Him and him went in holding hands, and Vince got his eyebrows done, and Roman got his teeth done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he looks weird, doesn't he? Like I couldn't oh. put my finger on it. I was watching him go and. He, because I think, I honestly think, again, I, I know you guys aren't as big of fans, but I think he's been phenomenal as a heel. And I just, I'm watching him go, he looks like a different person. I thought, I think the reason I think he looks like a different person is because he literally looks like a different person. Like, is there's something off. But yeah, he has had his teeth done. Um, you know. Yeah, he got the money, you know, he had the time off. Why not? Why yeah. not? <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd agree, it's the best thing in the company. Oh, there yeah. are little... Like directions they could, like, I thought Bianca Belair was mm. good at the end of the women's match, but the booking of the women's match I thought was just awful and leading towards a pointless angle. They showed Lana going through a table like 10 times. Why? What's the point of it? To build and up again won. a heroic win where she won by default. That's why. That was why. What, what, the, what is that about? With what tangible aim are they going for with this? And then, and then you just ask. It doesn't mean anything, mm. and it's just a nonsense storyline anyway. And it's not going. It's not going anywhere. Whereas someone like Bianca Belair, that's someone who could be relatively fresh mm. at the kind of top of the the women's side of things. Could be a contender. You know, nah. Why bother with that, Lana? That's the direction. And it, it, it you know, originally you think are they just trolling it because of like Miro, but. I, honestly, it's just Vince thinks, yeah, she sells and probably her social media presence. And that's the reason to kind of go ahead with it. But yeah, that was those kind of matches where you just think it's 23 minutes and it's just like kind of very hokey nonsense and no one's really getting over during any of this. There, there's just so much of that that goes on. Sorry, ran over. WWE, who cares? I think that's the, yeah. uh, the summary we got from there. Um, I suppose moving on then uh, to something we did all once care about a lot. 
Um, did, lads, did you know that Brit Res is dead? The documentary came out this week. Because um, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the long-awaited. I'm sure everyone was waiting for it. The uh, the, the Osprey documentary uh, appeared on, on Amazon this last week and we uh, we all watched it. Um, we like the, 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 There was a crowdfunded thing, wasn't it? And people weren't getting their awards and there was a whole controversy over it. I think the, was it in festivals in March or so? I remember like, reading reviews like way back around then. Uh, and now they've sneakily uh, put it on Amazon, and yeah, you know you can watch it for free if you're a, if you're a Prime subscriber. And my is it a watch, lads? Because yeah, it is. Like I say, it is. It's such a weird piece because it's half Osprey documentary, half just about Brit Res in 2016, 2017, like the the height of the boom, which also comes along with a lot of problematic people um, from the height of the boom who. Are very prominently featured to the point where there's literally a warning um, at the start of this thing, and yeah, I don't know where you guys landed on it, but I found it a particularly. It's just a frustrating watch, really, because they tried to do two different things, and I think they they failed at both in doing a an Osprey doc and doing a you know a, a f- maybe a rise and fall of Brit Res doc, which there was great footage for for both versions of what that documentary could have been in there. I just don't didn't really particularly think they uh, they stuck the land on myself, but. Just a weird watch in general, really. Going mm. back and uh, and seeing uh, the Brit Res that was uh, in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. Um, yeah, what did uh, I suppose you first get? What do you think about this as a as a documentary? And uh, yeah, um, weird trip down memory lane, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of them. Like if I'm gonna if I was if I was gonna judge it as a documentary, then obviously like it wasn't good kind of thing in terms of the the the. Um, when you've got something that's called Osprey, it should it should really have quite a clear focus on what, on what your on what your, uh, on what your docu- documentary is about. But I think it was just the you know across the um, across the piece, it was just that that lack of focus and that sort of like inconsistent narrative across the the piece. You know, it was very clearly pieced together bits of footage that they had to sort of fill a certain amount of time and try and get a couple of points across as opposed to you know having this you know consistent you know consistent narrative where they're you know very you know very much got a clear direction of what of where they where they want to go and and what they want to get out of it i mean i mean the the, the case in point probably is that really odd to detour where it was about Osprey up to that point, and then suddenly it sort of ceases to be about Osprey and becomes about WWE for like for you know quite a quite a long period of time, and then it kind of comes back to Osprey and then goes back to you know the WWE scene and things like it. It, it just feels a bit a bit all over the place, really. But I mean, while I wouldn't say it was a good documentary, you know, from you know from a judging a documentary standpoint. Uh, I would say it was interesting and enjoyable. Like, um, you know, it, it, obviously it could have been significantly better and they could have, like, built, um, you know, built a lot more with it. But um, <laughs> it could, could have been much better and they, they, they could have built, um, they could they could have built a, a, a lot more with it. But I, th- I think for me it was just seeing seeing backstage seeing these people seeing these events that you that you were at or that were going on at the time and things like that seeing these these people in that environment it was interesting to see and it was entertaining to see see them and it was kind of probably 
where Osprey was at that stage, you know, in the in them early ones, just seeing that kind of growth and bit of backstory and things like that was interesting. But you know, it, again, probably um, probably the same as um, what you're saying about the Survivor Series. There, you know, it certainly wasn't um, essential. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, you said there were some big stars, in it? JP spotted you in there. You and uh, you and Joe up the ladder. Oh yeah, play, you know. First, first time I went to the fiction. Second time Joe had gone, and there was a ladder. And it was a camcorder that was attached to a pipe above it, which was the hard cam. And we were stood on there having a pint. Yeah. Yeah. It's... See, some problematic this... characters in this thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I mean, and it's it kind of starts off when, you know, you get Marty and then you get Travis Banks, yeah. like, immediately within within each other. But yeah, this... This piece is, I mean, the thing about it is, is, is it's just immediately dated as soon as you watch it. Mm. And I had this kind of flashback to this alternative universe where this comes out three years ago. And we basically slag it off on the podcast by saying it's not very good. And we get in an argument with people who say it's great because it's building up the British scene. Why are we being so horrible and negative? Except it's like we've it's been through not, that before, JP. Is that happened yes, or something? We have. It's, <laughs> it's like a companion piece of the progress documentary. Yeah. Um, in in that way, um, although that has more of a focus than this does. This feels like there's not really enough footage. You maybe get half an hour the most out of the Osprey stuff, um, and it it what it does is it presents information to you as if that drives the narrative, but it just kind of throws it in there. This is him as a kid. This is where he grows up. But you don't really, there's no like kind of real emotional depth. And then in order to kind of pan out the time, it just starts focusing on these other interviews that really aren't relating to anything other than a kind of very generalized view on wrestling. And there's things that we, like Gareth points out, there's lots of things that we would ourselves find interesting, but it's so jumbled together. And we were having good chats on this and we'll coolly would point out about what culture footage this appears to be flowing out on here. And it just merges it all up. So if you're, if you've got a familiarity with the scene at that point in time, like we all do, mm. it it's just kind of like a mess, really. And at times it just starts going on to Nixon Yule. Just kind of out of nowhere, going to focus on Nixon Yule for a bit. And you're like, right, okay, that's that's fine. Are we doing a series of people then? Are we following their journeys? No. Then we're just going to interview Kenny and the Bucks. Why? Because we had access to them here at, at the Tokyo Dome. We were there. Right, mm. Okay. That's kind of what it is, a lot of padding out of just general wrestling footage. Mm. And some of it's interesting. There's a weird bit where someone from WWE comes up and asks him to sign something and he's not quite sure. But and signs it anyway. <laughs> and signs it anyway. Um, but it's it's not like something you can go back and watch documentaries where you think, ah, oh, yeah, this is like kind of giving us insight into this scene at this particular point in time. You don't really get that kind of in insight into it. Mm. It's still kind of like at an arm's length with Osprey occasionally turning around and chatting to the camera mm. and saying how oh, he's nervous going to the Tokyo Dome. And it's like, well, yeah, I kind of expected that. So there's nothing even kind of revelatory you get from this. Yeah. It's just a jumbled mess. Yeah. And but, the fact it's come out to no fanfare. If it came out three years ago, it probably would have had a lot of buzz. Mm. Um, it still wouldn't have made it a good film. It's no. still a bad, bad film. Oh, God help you if you tried to watch this thing and you weren't like one of those people familiar with this scene. Because, you know, he's, he's, there are genuinely positives to this documentary. Like, I, I thought, like, the stuff with his family is quite endearing. You know, they speak to his grandparents and his 
and his parents and you know we did we all... learn more from that new japan documentary around the house for the roast we learned more about learned... sue's roast <laughs> i'll say that um, and that chat that me and joe had with them at the back of the room <laughs> you, you learned a lot there to be fair um <laughs> yeah but <laughs> but I, I quite I quite like I kinda of find that family quite endearing, so I still I enjoyed having more footage of that. I really enjoyed like, you know, the stuff uh, the ricochet match at OTT, you know, going into delving into, you know, the two of them being kind of mirror images of each other and spending that time, you know. It felt like they spent a good ten minutes on that, you know, going through them putting the match together to work in the match to the post match. Like I thought that that was really interesting if it was part of a a genuine wider Osprey documentary. The problem was none of it was really stitched together. Like, if you were watching this as a regular regular human being, not us, like, who just happens to stumble across this Osprey talk on Amazon, you'd be like, so why is he in Japan now? What? Like, hey, how did they discover him? Like, you know, did, you know, just the true story is he had this great match with Okada, and, you know, Okada recommended him to the office. I feel like that's a story you could tell. I feel like you could tell, talk about the big feuds that, that Osprey had in the UK, you know, the, the things that put him on the like on the map. You get none of that. We, we it just kind of just it's scenes with Osprey. And then like you said, it's scenes with like Nixon Newell, you know, randomly, and then it's scenes with all these other people. It's a load of what culture footage, which I thought was interesting. Like I think it reminded me how important maybe what culture was to the uh the Brit Res boom, and we can talk about that in a second. But it was just very just weird disparate parts of what is very good interesting footage like you said the WWE thing before JP I'd love to know a bit more about that um, mm-hmm. with no real context really and that, and that's the problem like you just you wouldn't get this if you weren't a, a hardcore wrestling fan and I am and I still didn't 100% get it and, and there, was bit, there was bits with that WWE stuff as well where having paint like obviously they painted the whole Osprey going to Japan thing and then suddenly that WWE part sort of butts its way into it about everybody gets signed and it almost looks like a bit of a you know Saudi style promotional video for the WWE at one point mm. I think they're where that's very much presented as the be all and end all and like Osprey's on there talking about like, oh it's the dream and things like that and all that and you're thinking well this doesn't quite fit the Japan picture that you kind of painting him when he's over there, you know, it just sort of felt very, very disjointed from from that really. And I was thinking, God, if I was New Japan sitting watching this now, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be very fucking happy really. The way that mm. New Japan's getting presented compared to the WWE either, yeah. either here, which obviously it was filmed, a, you know, a long time ago, um, you know, relative to where Osprey is at with the company now. But yeah, equally, it's um, it's it, it's not the position you'd want New Japan to be being presented in in who somebody who's going to be one of their top guys now in comparison to the WWE. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, like, and he lacks New Japan footage. Yeah, Didn't give a context for the company. And like Apparently his match at Wrestle Kingdom was a big deal. Leave out the fact that it was just a rando six-man gauntlet. Mm. Which I'd completely forgotten mm-hmm. about, which tells you about six-man tags in New Japan. <laughs> you know, I've got a feel about them. Um, yeah, there, there's... Like you needed that footage, particularly if you're doing Osprey Ricochet, you try and show some of the first match or things like that. You would, you would try and get that to kind of pad it out. Mm. But like, yeah, they didn't do it, and they, it doesn't feel like the footage they got with Osprey was enough really to kind of go on. Mm. That it might have just been following him around while he wrestles and travels, and not much else. Mm. Like, not even a sit down interview with him where you'd kind of cut to bits of it. Like that kind of stuff is the kind of stuff that you would put in there as well. And it, it's just missing a lot of those things. And so, like you say, if you're 
like unless you've got like a an interest in seeing some backstage stuff at British indie shows around 2016-17, which obviously don't really tell the story of what actually was going on at that point in time as well. It's, you know, and that's the cloud over it. Like, you just kind of go, oh, okay, this is there. But, you know, otherwise go to Netflix and watch Beyond the Map. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... I will say, like on that point, the Britrest stuff, like I, I did find that very interesting. Like I know we talk about it all the time. We make the joke, mm. you know, Britrest is dead, part eight hundred or whatever. But I found it obviously the speaking out stuff is the most sobering thing about the documentary, and seeing those people front and centre, like the, the scale of the problem is very clear to see when you just look at the people who are featured in this documentary. Mm-hmm. But just taking as like looking at like a snapshot of Brit Res in that time, again, I know we talk about it a lot, but it was a real stark reminder of how different things were like at the time yeah. this was filmed, like from a promotion point of view, you know, all the hot promotions that, that were there, you know, a what culture, like I said before, that kind of gets forgotten. But it was very, I think, very important in the Brit Res boom as far as pulling over, you know, people who are fans of the YouTube personalities and pulling over WWE adjacent type fans to, to you know, who'll come for Kurt Angle, but they'll stay for Zack Sabre Jr., that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the companies was, you know, it showed how strong, strong the companies were at that time, but the depth of talent as well. Like, I'm sorry, but if you watch this documentary and you're still one of those people who's like, Brutus isn't dead because we've got Connor Mills or, like, insert trainee here. Sorry, Connor Mills. It's not just you, mate. But, like, you know... These people will say stuff like, just sit down and watch this documentary. Like, it is mm. clear to see what the boom was built on. It was hot companies, big crowds, and it was a depth of, like they say in the documentary, maybe 15 top-level wrestlers, maybe more, who, again, a lot of problematic individuals in there, I'm not going to hire from that, but who were there, who were um, trying to make Brit Res among one of the best wrestling scenes in the world. Like, that's literally what they were trying to do, trying to get the eyes of the world on Brit Rez and trying to have these killer matches. And we had all of these killer combos and we had this strength in depth at the top of it all of all these people that, when you look back, they all should have been signed already, but they weren't and they were available. Or if they were signed, they were still available to do these shows. Like, when you've got, when, you know, it goes through the list of people and, you know, your Zach Sabre Jr.'s around still a lot, Osprey's still around a lot problematic individual now but you know marty scales around mark andrews was still had something to offer you know you, you go through the depth of of people who were there at that top level and it's you know it's completely a different world compared to what's probably you know with the other factors gonna be brit res in there uh, in 2021 like my god what a scene we had at that time um mm-hmm. again lots of lots of negatives that came out of that scene as well but Jesus, like it was a reminder because I think even though, like I said earlier, we've talked about it a lot. I think I'd forgotten just how good we had things. Yeah, and I think as I think somebody actually makes the quote in that in that documentary about the say like there's twelve of us and we work everywhere kind of thing, and you know, and it, yeah. it was, you know, it's those guys that you that you list there, and Pete you were yeah, you were seeing them in progress, you were seeing them in Fight Club Pro, you were seeing them in Rev Pro, you were seeing them go to Germany, you know, different combinations of them and things like that. But they're you know, as well as working shows at that level, they were also working, you know, short, smaller shows. You'd have these guys, you know, you'd have Zack Sabre Juniors turning up in fucking PCW or mm-hmm. you know whatever, to, you, you, you know, just. DNT or whatever, like smaller promotions having different access to these different people, and it was built in such a way that you could have like 
three of them on a card and and and, and working together and it suddenly just it pushed it pushed it elevated that smaller card up to a certain level and then when you did obviously you get your your bigger shows going on at your your progress or your rev pros where you had maybe like eight of those 12 were on the card alongside two really hot indie imports or something like that from from america or germany or wherever like god suddenly those 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 cards looked absolutely stacked to the gills but that's it's just not even it's literally impossible to even put a card on at that level anymore now isn't it you know if we mm. sat down okay let's book our dream you know british promotion here now for you know march next year let's put a card together with seven matches on there and let's take the pick of everybody who's not signed and then maybe let's take two imports from somewhere in the world you you like you couldn't you, you literally couldn't create anything probably even half as at the level of uh, of what you see in there you know with the not only just the the reputation and credibility that people have on the worldwide stage but just their in-ring talent you know their ability to you know put on great high level matches their ability to engage with the crowds in you know a, 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 you know a certain way get people hyped up tell good stories in the ring and things like that it's just a, it's just not there and you know i think you're deluded if, if you think it is mm. Yeah, completely agree with you it, it, it just when you said about like kind of 14 people 12 14 people going around the country doing this and then you figure somewhere in the region of like 30 odd of them have been kind of taken out so not only did you have that tier but the tier underneath yeah. and the vast majority of the tier underneath people forget so, that pete tyler trent they were you know they were on the come up when they they were signed yeah. before they became the big deal they became and they stuck around as the big deal they became while they were signed but they were kind of the next level like they were the the next generation kind of thing so even that got taken you know yeah because partly because new japan and ring of honor had marty will and uh and zach mm. that was it yeah and it was like well we'll take these three then mm. that's kind of how that always felt with the signing for the uk championship tournament <sighs> but yeah there's a, there's a lot of reminders here of kind of what that scene was like mm. and the kind of buzz around it at that point in time. And it's just in stark contrast. I mean, there's announcements about, you know, one announcement we heard today about the Evoque closing, for example, which is I went there once and it lives long in my memory. It's something that we kind of bang on about quite a lot between that and the Stanley Arms. I hope that stays open for God's sake. Maybe not that enormous weather spoons that's there. (laughs) Ridiculous. That can just close down anyway because it's worth the spoons. But you know, that's that's not there at the minute. You know, there might be some shows coming up if they're talking about like depending on where in the country it is and is it indoor, is it open air, how's it going to be spaced? Like the scene at the minute is like kind of relying on really what seems to be one company doing empty arena shows. That wow. seems to be mm. effectively British wrestling at the moment. Apart from like some forms of training which have happened, and then they may be in lockdown again. Try doing a monthly Brit Red show on post, Jesus! Like, you know, I don't think we want to hear us review another Rev Pro show because it's all there is to talk about right now. Well, that's it. But they're like that su- they're super shows for all intents and purposes. You're right. They're super shows right now. They are like at the point I made last week that it, Andy Quilden has literally got a blank. Well, not a blank check, but he could basically anyone who's available can work those Rev Pro shows like within reason. And we're seeing what those cards are. I'm enjoying them overall, but that is that's the best it's going to be. 
like that's it. And if you don't like them, then I don't know what what what's gonna be underneath. To be honest, it's you know, and obviously you know, there's the the other issue. You know, there is the fact that you know the promotions haven't been able to run, but we're gonna have promotions trying to come back, and who are they gonna use? Like who, you know, how are we gonna you know put our best foot forward as far as speaking out goes and righting some of those wrongs. Um, it's it's yeah, it's terrifying. Brit Resin twenty twenty one. I'd love to be one of those popular people, positive people. Sorry, um, I hope I'm popular. One of those positive people, uh, not among Brit Res circles, I'm sure. Um, because I just don't know what the smoking. <laughs> if, they, if if yeah, if, if you possibly think there's a, there's any good times coming, to be honest. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think that's it, and I, and, I, and I think that was kind of the. You know, we, we sort of reference here, but I just think from that point of looking back to that time period as well, it's it's one of those almost like you don't know what it, you've got till it's gone kind of situations totally. as, as as well, really. And you and you and you see it, and then you just really realise that obviously, you know, obviously, you know, speaking speaking out totally shines a different light on it com- completely, and the way that you that you look at certain you know certain individuals as well. But of but I, I I just I just mean even just being in venues with hundreds or thousands of people all there because of british wrestling enjoying a you know a british wrestling pro- yeah. product that the world is talking about and it you know i don't know being there in the electric ballroom or something like that when it's absolutely going off because something major's happened and it feeling like important to be there and you know like you know the sort of thing that you you just absolutely didn't want to miss at all you know that that that's that's gone hasn't it <laughs> kind of thing and who knows when that feeling's going to be created created again again you know there's a there's a there's a whole number of years really that need to be uh built into the scene and a, and a whole lot of change and who knows you know the way wrestling is everything's so fluid you know so you know WWE change their you know change their mind on nxt uk on a whim something happens to another promotion things like you know different you know talent spreads out and things and suddenly we, you're looking at a different pe- picture in three years or five years time or something oh, yeah. like that but, but mm-hmm. you know you take but you take things on the information that you've got in front of you and and, and, and right now you know those are those days just feel like a feel like a very distant memory that's the point i i, I don't i want to make because like i you know I'll, I'll i'll go down i'll go down unfortunately is the one thing i said that stuck that brit res is dead and people always come back and come back with that well there's that next level I'm sorry, but the boom period isn't happening with that next level. There's no boom period coming soon. A boom period can happen. Might well happen, in fact. But it's not going to be with these players that we've got now. It's not going to be with the people with the people stepping up and taking opportunity. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a completely different set of characters. It's gonna be a completely de- different set of circumstances. Like this boom period is over. It's done, uh, you know. I, I said it was probably a year ago now. Like you know, uh, although I might bang on about Brit Res is dead, you know, like you said there, Gareth. You know, the the truth of the matter is, you know, Brit Res is a scene the well paid attention to. You know, people further afield than the couple miles round the venue. You know, talked about. You know, shows happening. Uh, that is what's dead. Uh, that scene that the well paid attention. To. Like you said, something happens in the ballroom on a Sunday. And it's mm-hmm. covered in well in well wrestling news, you know, the the month, the day after, or it's you know covered in the Observer that week. That is dead. That is completely gone. And you know, and speaking out killed it entirely dead this year. There's there is no 
there's no boom coming unless you literally change all of the characters and you change all of the circumstances that you know we can't can't i've got a crystal ball you can't can't foresee that stuff now who knows you know what what what'll happen in three or five years what the landscape will be um but yeah any kind of expectation that 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 could still happen um it's just crazy talk and and also like a line to that as well is just the 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 money going into it i suppose like i you know i look back now and i i I think for three years there i was probably going down to london like 10 months of the year kind of or nine months of the year sort of thing to you know where you're paying train you know train fares you buy you're paying your price your ticket kind of thing you're having a day on the drink and um, things as well and i think to myself god if i like added up what i've spent over that three year three year period there just Same. like going to london because i had to be at those mm. progress shows like and it, and and there was a reason to do it. it was because there was a pull there to do it and it was yeah and in some instances it was seeing people that you knew at the at, at the shows as well as well as been like real um essential wrestling that you could that you could go and see but even like towards the end of doing that i was going to shows and the, the familiar faces were gone as well you know kind of thing and, and and that's there's no way that's coming back there's no way people are suddenly going to start being going like, oh yeah i'm going to be getting the train down like every month or every other month from manchester to, to london to watch, to watch this or from you know we're not traveling all over the country to watch progress anymore or watch rev pro anymore people's attitudes and mindsets have changed because of speaking out because of the way that the scene's been decimated and things like that as well so oh. there's not even there's not even going to be the the money going through the tills to to prop it up either and no. you know almost like escalate that boom either um again you know it's yeah uh, well that's how i know you guys that's how i know you know mm-hmm. how this podcast was born i used to love going that i go down the progress shows partly for the show partly to meet up with joe and jp you know i met you gareth after a progress show in sheffield you know like that is that that part of it I think that, that I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that that traveling culture, that wanting to be part of this culture, mm. this wanting to be part of this rowdy atmosphere of this hot thing. That's that the, the social side of it. You know, like you said, along with speaking out, that's dead too. Uh, yeah. Sorry, JP. Did you have in? No, I completely agree with you. So I was getting incredibly nostalgic there for a minute. Like, <laughs> hell yeah! You're just thinking of that ladder that- again, mate. <laughs> yeah. But- the, tra- the idea of going to Wolverhampton feels like a long and distant dream. I'll tell you that. It's like uh, that's not happening. A again, fucking cat's chance in hell you getting me, getting me to Wolverhampton. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is, isn't it? This whole documentary is just like a further reminder of like what it was like at one point in time. Yeah, so it isn't like that anymore. So watch it if you want to be sad. Basically, <laughs> uh, <laughs> look how look how our moods are fucking sunk as a result of this. Bloody yeah, thing. I know. I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking about when Progress moved that weekend because of like because of NXT UK or whatever Progress moved that weekend Damn show to 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 a, no no it was like later the, the, it was a it was a Camden one and they moved a, a weekend show to midweek it was like called Midweek Matters or something like yeah. that it was on like a Wednesday or something and it was like I think Walter won the belt and again like I took the day off work and I went to London on a Wednesday because Walter was going for the belt and you I know. Uh, am I gonna am I gonna be doing that next year because it's Karen Noir against um, God whoever you know like Jesus Christ you still like I remember like that because like when we like first were like you know when I first met you you'd be like oh you know uh, the wife can't come to progress this weekend you fancy coming and I I, I was like at the time too polite to say it and I, I just remember thinking 
I'm not dropping a hundred pounds on two days' notice to go see progress. In t- <laughs> that was probably like 27, 2018 maybe when yeah, that was yeah. happening. Um, like you were one of the last to kind of get killed to get that buzz killed off. You're like, I would have done it a year earlier. I would, oh, Gareth's got a got a got a, got a spare ticket mm. to progress. I'll totally run. Um, it took you a little bit longer, didn't it, to uh, to break out of that habit? Oh, I was uh, I was. Yeah, I mean, I think because I had a season ticket as well, so it was like yeah. bought, it was bought and paid for kind of thing. So it was, uh, it was. I, I knew I was committed to, <laughs> committed to a certain date, but then even towards the end, with the, you know the last couple of months of that season ticket, ended up, you know, trying to sell it and not being able to sell it because no one, it wasn't selling out anyway, kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. so you couldn't even, you couldn't even. You always kind of thought, oh, well, if, if I can't go, it's going on Twickets, and then when you get to the stage where fuck, I can't even get it to get the ticket even onto Twickets because the event itself isn't even selling out sort of thing. Then, you know, you're onto a, you knew you're onto a, onto a bad gig, but you know, I was, uh, I was, uh, I, I'm loyal like that. I was clinging, clinging onto the end, clinging onto the dream. <laughs> Kept Virgin trains in business, mate. Uh, and those hotels and that. Yeah. Lord knows what was, uh, was spent in those years. Oh, well. <laughs> Could have funded Grapple for a while. Um, <laughs> I suppose uh, moving on, um, I mean we'll we'll keep uh, we'll keep this brief because uh, you know at time of recording this will this will be out to be honest Wednesday morning. There's another episode coming tonight. Uh, maybe quickly on Dynamite. Um, I'd say we can preview this coming week, but it's not much exciting happening there either. Um, do you guys have any any uh, big picture thoughts on uh, on this last week's Dynamite? Uh, anything p- particularly folk you bloat? Uh, Moxley and Kenny was. Uh, was faded. Uh, we got a bit of a bit of Cody on the show. Uh, but I, I thought it was a fine TV. I mean, it. To be honest, the thing is, they're just knocking out fun TV shows right now, aren't they? You know, yeah. Fun matches like the opening tag, fun angles like with what they did with uh, with Moxley and uh, and Kenny on this show, and you know, good progression as well. Uh, as far as that whole uh, Cody story goes, uh, yeah, I thought it was another another fun show. Um, and yeah, they're on a on a fun little run right now, AW. Yeah, they are, aren't they? They're in a good groove of putting on generally very good weekly episodic wrestling TV. Mm. And you talk about the angles. I mean, I enjoyed the Will Hobbs angle. Yeah. At the end, I'm glad that's the direction they're going in. Makes so much um, sense, doesn't it? Like, it, was, it was always and- weird why the baby faces got three and the heels have got two and a manager. Perfect, made sense. I mean, that's- I don't think he ever actually touched them like in the last few weeks as well. I saw that tidbit somewhere. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And I enjoy Team Taz. I enjoy Taz. I'm not as mad on Brian Cage, but obviously Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs are two people that we've been sort of talking about for quite some time now, it feels like, in Mm. AEW. I'd like to see Layla Hirsch get signed there as well, because I think she'd be a perfect fit in as like the kind of of the women wrestlers to have on that side, and her style kind of suits that perfectly as well. it's a very easy watch. So I find myself watching it in the morning, like basically because I'm up early, like kind of, and I work from home on Thursdays. I end up watching it before I start work. And the last couple of weeks I've watched it, it's been a really nice, easy watch. The wrestling's like not kind of blow away. It didn't, it feels like because they've got the show on December 2nd, that's the focus the the kind of Kenny Omega segment is kind of like, okay, where's that going? I'm not necessarily inspired by it, partly because of Kenny. I've always got this kind of fear factor of like, oh, is he going to balls it up with some nonsense? Mm-hmm. When what you want is traditional pro wrestling build. And that's kind of what you want to see. 
So you do the contract signing, he's attacked, who's attacked him, which directions that go into. Like, I, I think, like, the video they put on, which I think they were going to be showing during the Monday Night Football, the director X one, hmm. thought that was really good. I think there's stuff that they seem to be doing that seems to be kind of more bigging up the Time Warner connection, which I think for them is a good thing. And we went on to this last week about one of the ways of them growing. Um, so yeah, overall I'm really enjoying it. There's like, there's always like a match or two, which isn't necessarily great, but or they a Jericho kind of just, yeah, or another Jericho skit. Yeah. And they kind of just like wash over me. Oh, was that the Vegas stuff last week? Yeah, it was. was it was that. That was last week. Uh, it was funny in parts, but I mean, the, the whole hangover thing for the second one was. Yeah, rough. yeah. Was that a swoggle? Again, <laughs> or was it just another swoggle in his nappy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, was Conan got Conan got a, a cameo though. You know, I can always appreciate yeah. that. Boom, selling weed. <laughs> the party was born to play. He really was. <laughs> um, yeah, he's always got the best stuff. Yeah, there you go. He's working his way in there. It does make you think, could you get him and Eddie Kingston doing some stuff? I don't know. <laughs> uh, if, if you ever think, JP, you know, you know you're a man who, um, who might partake in certain things like that. Um, but yeah, I'll cut this he out. Hasn't messaged me, he hasn't messaged me recently just to check that I'm still listening <laughs> to his podcast. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you, when I used to listen to his podcast, it would be like literally every... I know, I'm sure we repeat ourselves. Every podcast, he just say the same stuff. You tell a story about how Brian Alvarez sounds like a carnival uh, worker with that, do you want to go faster line that he do every week. You tell the same stories about like, you know, the, the 90s with Jericho or whatever. He'd have a bit of a smoke and he'd go home. And then next week he'd forget about it and do it again. Same with the Twitter DMs. He'd just crawl into your DMs, ask you every week if you listen to his podcast. It was, uh, you know, that's what Codan does. You know, he's just going on. I just said to him, I haven't big man. And I never got a response back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that on the show. And yeah, you're right, JP. Just it's been fun the last few weeks, hasn't it? And yeah. it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt either to have some fun matches. I thought on this show, particularly last week, like, you know, the opening tag with the Young Bucks and Top Flight was a lot of fun. Got Top Flight signed, um, mm. and I thought, you know, you mentioned there the, the angle with a uh, with Will Hobbs, um, the Cody and Darby Allen, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks match was a another really good tag as well. Um, just good wrestling TV. I thought yeah. overall, Gareth. Yeah, and I think the one you don't mention there as well is just that Thunder Rosa Serena Deeb match. You know, oh, yeah. I thought that was absolutely you know spot on. I, mm-hmm. I ended up giving that NWA title's stuff. been a godsend for the women's division. Oh yeah. god, yeah, again. I mean, just seeing seeing Thunder Rosa on there and seeing her back. You know, obviously I've said in previous weeks I've I've, I've really enjoyed seeing her and Serena Deeb's just been a fucking revelation as well. You know, if you mm-hmm. think that she was just there, just like in the background, you know, doing coaching and things like that in the past. God, she should have been. On, on TV at the forefront of women's wrestling for you know for for, for the last couple of years definitely because she's absolutely as smooth as fuck in the ring um, yeah, yeah, what she does there like Thunder Rosa obviously with her like aggressive submissions and things like that you know she's applying submissions like the fucking real submissions that she's that she's putting on as well and you know again I just had to I just you know love 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 seeing her work and that I mean that stood out as the, the yeah. match of the uh, match match of the they match should of the have there and they should have a working relationship with NWA properly. Like uh, that was when they put that that eighties promo on Twitter of Ricky Starks, where he's cutting it. It was a very NWA style promo, and it just made me think, like, like NWA is like a 
because they announced they announced this week, didn't they? They're bringing they're not bringing power back, but they're doing another TV show. Shockwave. Shockwave. That's it. Send all your lads there, like yeah, especially yeah. when they get the studio audience back. Maybe it's not so helpful now. Imagine like if they sent like Joey Janela down there to to not work indie style to have to work like an NWA TV style to have to do those promos. I feel like that'd be a great breeding ground. It'd be it'd be great for NWA, some free talent. Um, mm. And it'd be great for AEW to like give people some reps to you know let a let a you know a Ricky Starks get better at promos like he did when he was in NWA or you know find great women women's talent like they found here you know with uh, with really the best women's stuff they've had on Dynamite in ages that's a that's a deal I'd be making immediately if I was Tony Khan I feel like that's that's the best place for to throw some wrestlers that you've just signed like a top flight rather than having them just go out and do some more indies. Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, Top Flight was the one I was going to say there. But just thinking about you know even even people at the using on darks, you know, on dark like your, your garrisons of this yeah. uh, of the world yeah. and your Alan Angels and things like that. You know, they've, they've they've got people there that can just give them exposure to a different way of working and just you know working with different people backstage. You know, working in front of different audiences and you know having to adapt in in, in, in different ways going forward as well. It's, it, it would only be good for them all, and uh, especially there where you talk about the women's division. Where on on top, obviously, Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb. It's 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 very good, but you know, AEW's had to use a lot of you know female wrestlers where they've brought them in, and it's been like one and done or two and done kind of thing, and they've just given them a little go and they maybe haven't quite been TV ready, but there's there's a bit of potential there as well. So again, just for adding that depth of American um, female wrestlers, again, it would be a you know a great environment for platform for them, and I'm sure sure NWA could use them too. But um, but yeah, again, you know, all in all, I just thought it was a solid, good show as you've as you've come to expect with good storylines being built. I, I just love the way this this mocks and Omega um, you know it's been built. I literally mm-hmm. cannot wait for this match. I, I can't I can't remember the last time that you know I was this excited about a American TV wrestling match. It's 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 absolute you know I like I'm literally literally cannot wait for the for it to to come and that you know the scene with like Kenny to coming out for that cook contract signing just in in the suit and the sunglasses and things like that he wasn't you know it wasn't dicking about he looked he looked serious he looked like a fucking superstar and you know you know moxley just continuously just comes across as as has been a massive star you know that was a good promo with him backstage that we're the good guys thing that he was talking about mm-hmm. with his brick shit house dad and stuff you know it was a that was all that was all good stuff as well before before he got attacked obviously you know i think it's it's just I mean, we come on and you know you talk about Conan repeating himself, but you know pretty much every <laughs> come on here about AEW and we just wax lyrical about the logical, well-built storylines. They're good TV matches, and it's what they do every week, and you know that's why that's why we all enjoy it. Yeah. Especially as a week ago, WWE changed their world title on TV, and it didn't even seem to cause any kind of noticeable buzz in any way, shape, or form. And here's something where they're building to building to it, and people want to see the build. Mm. You can't just throw big shit out there and just do nothing with it. At least, I mean, I just probably am a bit more cautious because, like, I just want this Moxley Omega feud uh, build to be common sense mm. and slowly go forward, and not like don't do anything dark. You don't know, introduce anything silly into the mix. Mm. doesn't need to be an extra kind of gimmick or stick, which is the thing I didn't like about, like, say, the Bucks FTR when they put in that the Bucks will never challenge again and the rest of it. It's like, no, 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 no. It's a one-on-one match. 
like just do it that way. But like you say, I mean, I, I just on the on the cooperation note because I do think even when we talk MLW, there's notes of cooperation that's going on in there with different companies. We've seen it with kind of New Japan. It's this rising tide lifts all ships, mm. and if they've got a brain in them, it makes sense to do this. It benefits everyone. Wrestling's been on its ass. It relies on live audiences in order for it to work. So. Like and the empty arena stuff isn't going to kind of capture it. Mm. So at the same time, it makes sense. It's like it's such a win-win situation, and Billy Corgan could obviously do with it. Mm. There's kind of at least some existing characters he can play into. They can get a bit of buzz back that they would have needed. Hell, you know, at some point he put Nick Aldis on AEW TV for a kind of one and done feud. Something with Cody, maybe again that you can do that, and it's just sort of. It's good. It's beneficial. It helped build a scene and like they could really do with it. And it actually builds the next generation of talent. You mentioned like sending your top flights there. You'd send private party down there as like big stars mm. in terms of act like big stars and get that NWA belt and get that kind of like work in main events. That that's really what they need. A loan system. Basically they need to be kind of like Chelsea. <laughs> don't know in a way. Yeah. 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 Well, if you if if you think about like going back to the attitude here and someone like Al Snow going to ECW and like give, getting a chance to just formulate a character himself and like get over and work to different crowds and things, and obviously there was there was other examples at that time period, but it's, it's yeah, somewhere some worked, some didn't, and um, <laughs> but, but but you know it's 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 there as a tool that you can you know potentially use to your to to your benefit, and I'm surprised it hasn't been replicated better by 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 other people since yeah the risk is worth it then isn't it there's obviously a risk in letting joey Janela work gcw i'd still let him because i think he needs that indie credibility mm. but i think you know there's obviously a risk there in letting people do that if there's going to be a risk you want a reward don't you um and you want it to be somewhere where you're at where you know again i feel like i'm picking on Janela just because you're on the show gareth i'm just uh you know <laughs> <laughs> leading to uh <laughs> what was that I, I i think you should be allowed to go to gcw as well <laughs> and stay there <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you know what I mean. He's going to go there and just be Joey Janela, isn't he? He's not going to learn anything. Um, I feel yeah. like yeah, you could learn something there in different styles. But... Oh, no, I, I was I was feeling bad the other week. I think he was on Cabana's podcast the other week, and he was talking about like getting like Twitter hate for his his, his look and style of working and stuff. And how he was on a big downer at AEW because of uh, all Aww. the feedback he got. And I, nice thought, I, I, I thought, oh, has he listened to me on this podcast? But, uh, <laughs> poor, poor, poor Joey. Oh, this this thing with Joey Janela, honestly, he's the Your worst. He's the worst wrestler. <laughs> that I'm a big fan of like I acknowledge he's not good but if you're out there Joey I, st- I do still love you I-, I still want you to succeed I don't know what it is but you know come on mate you're just not very good um, <laughs> anywho um, I suppose you-, you mentioned it there JP so it is a good segue uh, we'll talk uh, some New Japan as well before we go but let's get into the the, the JP uh, segments of the show because I believe Ooh. you've uh, you mentioned them there you've been watching some MLW and uh, mm. I'd shock you there JP yeah, but I've watched some MLW as, as well myself this week I did my uh, did my homework for once uh, yeah enjoyed good lads little, uh, not all of your homework is going to come well we'll get to that in a minute yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't get round to uh, <laughs> is it Joshi Tokyo Pro I can't even remember what the name is what Tokyo Joshi <laughs> Sorry, I haven't watched that. <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about it this week. It's not, like a, it's not a big part of my life. Um, it's like Noah for that. Yeah, but, we got yeah, that. ML, did you watch it? Because it was out the hour before Dynamite. Yeah, I just, I just threw you. I saw people talking about it and I threw the YouTube on. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, of all the promotions, like they've created the best atmosphere for MT Arena. They have mm. done. Remember when, like, uh, you remember this guy, like, when the you know when the Premier League started using like um, the fake crowd noise, and it's fucking crap. Like, and it was just like they they cheer and you know boo at all the wrong moments, and it sounded so fake. I couldn't watch games with it on. I can comfortably watch them now because I think they've. They've got the line at the right place. I think. I think it's it's mm. fine. It's it's not great, but you don't really think about it. It fades into the background more than anything. Um, yeah. Like I, I think like I think MLW have done that now. I think I think they've really got that line drawn right. They use like, um, it's kind of like there is like a, a solid ambient news, isn't there, JP? Like where yeah. ambient noise. Sorry, where you can kind of hear chatter, but it doesn't really go up or down. It just gives a little bit of atmosphere to proceedings, and they've just got it right. It doesn't find, sound like the, the Thunderdome or like a fake crowd. Um, and it's shot so well as well. The production's brilliant. Mm. It looks as good as AEW, I think. You know, it'll give you a smaller scale version, but I feel like, you know, the cameras are all great, the, the set's all great, um, it's all well lit. Um, just a solid professional hour of TV. Um, and yeah, I was, I was glad to see Fusion back, even if maybe it's not something I'm going to watch every week. Yeah, completely agree. It is, it's a very easy hour of sort of wrestling TV to watch. The issue is always going to be like the matches themselves. It, to me, that I, I find myself, there's more of a resemblance with kind of ECW in some ways of the kind of hardcore TV in the sense that they used to have like the matches coming from this kind of one big show that they break into kind of four parts before the next big show would come around in the next month. And then they would have all these local promos and they're just very creative in making the best with what they have because they clearly have a budget that they go to as well but at the same time they've actually done a good job considering the amount of people who have been signed away from them of using MJF to make sure they build to a Richard Holloway and an Alexander Hammerstone of making sure that Jacob Fatu was built up as a kind of solid world champion and they like things move on at a real pace so even if you don't particularly like something, it's not like it hangs around for a long time. And it's not as wacky as, t- as like Impact, which goes kind of off the rails. One hour is kind of perfect for this. Um, it's, it's something that I'm glad that they're around because they always seemed like, it's interesting, they're doing their Opera Cup and they've got Rocky Romero on it and he's wrestling Tom Lawler. And Tom Lawler's been in New Japan as well. And they've always been like kind of of all the indie companies, like very open minded and not really restrictive to the talent. If they did want to go somewhere else, they kind of would be allowed to go. MJF, I think they did very well with for how they kind of built him and used him to kind of get certain people up. Um, And they've got a good roster of sort of decent talent. Um, You know, I don't know what you think about, say, someone like a Myron Reed. Like I... I don't think he's there yet, obviously. I'd still say he's like a couple of years away from kind of achieving a, a kind of good stand. He's the kind of guy who could, in normal times, just do with being out there on the indies, getting his name out there a bit more. Mm. Um, and But but you use I, what I, you can get, don't you? He, you know, he's available and he's someone. You bring in a big star, like they bring bringing in Leo Rush, aren't they, for a future yeah. taping. And they, and they can they can put this young up and coming guy up against like a, a polished Leo Rush like that's that is what MLW do well they yeah. 
they react so well. Like in the similar to like Gabe was in the big ROH years or, or Heyman was in the big ECW years. I'm not putting core power on that level, but he's very good at like, okay, AW have, have not stolen, but taken some of our top guys or like, you know, people have been stolen away. He's very good at knowing who's the next mm-hmm. guy to who's worth taking a risk on. And that's when the likes of Myron Reed, you know, get their shot. Yeah, you look at, I'd say as well, Jacob Fatu. Oh, yeah. He looked in good shape. How did they get into like a he... contract? How did how like I was I was no one bidden with MLW because he signed for like two years and again mm. fair play to them for doing the business and you know getting get them locked down because he is the star of this roster. But I can't yeah. believe there's not more people in for him. Is it a size thing? I don't know because he's not massive. Like you say, fair enough, and he's slimmed down a bit now, which I don't know if that works very well for the gimmick myself. Um, I don't really know what other negative you'd have about him though. I don't. I don't know. I mean, like I can remember him doing that kind of moonsault and missing people completely at the beginning as well. So I think right. he was always a bit rough around the edges. Needs the polish, maybe. Do. And, and the, that's the point of MLW is to kind of provide that polish. Mm. And it's just not going to happen overnight. And it's the same, like we mentioned with Amaya and Reed. It'd, it'd be the like, and what they did with Jacob Fatu is they kind of just built him up as a killer. So here, Davy Boy Smith's on the way out. Mm. So they're going to get some use out of him, put, you know, Getting him to put over the bloody fucking it, sucks. Yeah, I think he's back to WWE, isn't he? That's where I he's hope going so. I'll never to. have to watch him again. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why. So boring. Um, but, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Jacob Fatu being in there has, has like it, it, it is a really like kind of good move, good solid move, and a good show of faith in a kind of younger wrestler to do that. I'm trying to think of someone else they've got to a contract as well, whose names just escaped me that they had. That they had signed anyway. Hopefully, he'll come back. In I think Loki's under a deal with them, but I can't yeah. see the, can't see promotions fighting to uh, to get Loki in twenty twenty. Unfortunately, but Loki's had a good, quite well defined character in MLW, and he's been there a while. Mm. This is the thing: MLW's been in what around sort of three years. Mm. Like they and and then obviously I can remember them when they were in existence. They put the belt on Kojima first of all, mm. and yeah. like in the early two thousands. And it was very much sort of filling the void of it, of of kind of ECW, and it's it its style isn't kind of ECW. Like the characters and stuff aren't they're 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 kind of quite well, even though they're easy to kind of understand. They're interesting enough, like your Serena De La Renta stuff and that continuous storyline and the arc of that that's going on. The contra unit stuff, which makes no sense <laughs> when you think about it for more than two seconds, like. Like you're making them out to be like domestic terrorists. It's like, why haven't you got the FBI involved in Homeland Security? <laughs> like, you're worried about them taking over a wrestling company. Joseph Samuel has said he's in Tunisia basically training freedom fighters. Like, keep your eyes on the ball here, people. He's hiding in plain sight when he's saying this shit. Um, but it's, yeah, I mention all of this stuff. It's, you know, and even the silly stuff, it's on for like two minutes and then yeah. it fucks off. And there's another advert for that weird bloke. That who's the guy? Was it like kids on giving birth to babies on opiates? Oh, it's um, it's Jim Cornette's lawyer, isn't it? Stephen P. News. He's not like that's not a spoof on like PN News, is it? I'm not sure, but he's uh, he's the one who uh, Cornette sends after people when they make t-shirts, slagging them off that type of thing. He's a uh, he's a common uh, subject on uh, on Cornette's uh, on podcast. Right. Yeah, it's very um, if you ever watch like the ROH shows, it's like that, isn't it? Where like it's like you know these have you know do you suffer back pain and it's like those yeah. types of things, isn't it? But they they've uh, they've got some of their own for YouTube. Um, yeah, I think. 
the thing about MLW is like to echo everything you're saying there is it just it has its own personality like it, mm. MLW has a vibe to it has a feel to it has a look to it it's a it's it's a unique show it, it's unlike anything mm. else there's obviously the impact comparisons but I don't think a lot of the time impact entirely knows what it is MLW is just a a fun show you know that is what it says on the tin it's a fusion it's a mix of these weird collection of odd job dudes, like a, like say, like a Loki who probably can't work anywhere else anymore, an LA Park who's willing to, to come in and do a cooking show for them, to, like say, people on top like Fatu, um, mm. you know, get, giving people like Richard Holiday, you know, a little bit of shine. And, you know, I'm surprised, you know, another big like highlight of this show, you know, the the, uh, the opener there, getting to see uh, Alex Hammerstone, who's, you know, he's mm. one of he's, he's one of those wrestlers. He hasn't skipped the gym this uh, this break period. Like they're clearly giving the mega push to him as well. I love the way they opened the show with that, with giving him the the quick was it like 10, 10 15 second win, yeah, um, and then getting him to cut uh, an in ring promo saying he's coming for Fatu. Simple stuff, but you know, it, it may be interested in watching next week. The the only thing that goes against them, you know, I say I sing all those praises like you said. It's just it's another hour of wrestling TV. Like I saw. Yeah. Uh, Cole Bauer do an interview I think post uh, linked to it this week where he was basically saying yeah we're, we are the same night as AEW and that's a lot of wrestling to watch you know um, but kind of we do struggle to to stand out for those reasons but you know if you are like like you JP and you've got a, an hour's walk or somewhere or something like that to watch something you can do much worse than ever always an hour's walk mate <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to for see that see how many views it's done so far so it's done 75,000 75,000 views on YouTube, though. Mm. It's on Grapple, isn't it, uh, Gareth? Uh, yeah. you say, I know it is. I'm ready to Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube. Mate. YouTube Autofly. We haven't got that on Grapple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, um, it, it, it's, it's on there. It, 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 it does like around about like 20 ratings kind of thing. So there's, there's a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a relatively small audience kind of going on there and, and rating it. But, um, you know, again, it's 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 one of them where, I like, again, it's for for me, like, I haven't watched it, and it is just that extra hours TV for me that there's just no, there's no way I'm finding that to to fit into my life. So again, it's probably going to be one of those where if there is something that there's, you know, something jumps out on here, like even if you've got twenty people giving something like four star above, then it might go okay. Well, I can give you know, I can give that twenty minutes or twenty five minutes, and then and then it's all about creating those things that maybe pull you in for the next week and the next week and the next week, isn't it? Kind of, it, it, yeah. isn't it? Um, really, with those, and you know, I think, I think what you know from an, an outsider looking in, I think it is uh, it, they do seem good at sort of establishing those names because even though I've not, not, you know, I've literally never watched MLW Fusion, just your Jacob Fatus and your Alex Hammerstones, you know, the the names that you know you see just like cropping up, and they have a kind of quite a good sort of online presence and social media presence and things that it's you know it is good to see that they're investing in their own people and um, you know pushing them forward in the same way that they they clearly did with MJF in the past. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And then they did that. You know, MJF left, and it was like, okay, let's move up the the two guys beneath him. Um, that is what they're good at. But you're right. Yeah, from a grapple point of view, like I was just having a little while you were talking, have a little scan of the ratings there. Even my ratings, I gave one star, two and a half, and two point seven five for this TV show. So you know, no one's going to be rushing out on the yeah. uh, on the grapple ratings. But it's not that type of show, is it, JP? It's it's just no. for weekly TV. Um, and like I said, well produced well packaged in this empty arena here and I'm just overall I'm just glad it's back really it's good to have the option yeah I mean it, in the cycle of things that I watch 
it basically replaces Impact because mm. it's kind of a shorter, more grown-up version yeah. of what Impact should be. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the best. Uh, and, I, and I mean, I just look at it there, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. There's no way I'm finding time to fit it in. But then, you know, in the last 24 hours, I've watched Team Raw versus Team SmackDown, <laughs> oh, two man. Survivor Series that's matches. True. In, in reality, in reality, if I didn't watch either of those, I could, either of those tag matches, I could have probably watched this episode of MLW as something, something yeah. different. But um, you know, okay. that's, that's all I'll uh, ask for uh, for next these, time. Uh, they, <laughs> These uh, Survivor Series re- reviews don't uh, write themselves. To them. <laughs> yeah. That's it, yeah. It still does numbers somehow on the app as well. I don't know. There's people who are just hanging in there. I don't know what it is, um, but people hang in there with WWE and they keep the... Uh, I feel like I, I let that drug go uh, a good few years ago. I'm not a uh, Bart Simpson trying to grab the uh, the electric electrified cookie. Uh, is it cookie or is it like a cupcake over and over again? Yeah. I'm getting buzzed every time. I learned my lesson four years ago, I think. Um, now it's just... It's a nice place to visit, but... Yeah, we could all um, not even a nice place to visit. To be honest, uh, it's pretty run down. But we could <laughs> we could all do better with our time. That's probably just the point, isn't it? We could yeah. all do. Uh, we could all be more like you, JP. That's the uh, that's, that's probably the uh, the lesson we've learned. Well, I mean, I think I, I think the big one for me is that I am absolutely desperate to watch that Noah main event, and I haven't uh, right. I, I haven't had chance to. I haven't had a chance wow. to watch that yet, and really, I should have been. Uh, in, I should have let you two just do the Survivor Series uh, review and let me watch that Noah instead. <laughs> I think. Oh uh, well, somebody did see it uh, as we are in the JP yeah. section show. Uh, we're not over. We're not, your segment's not over, JP. I haven't had a, ch- a chance to see it with uh, with mm. nothing moving. You see, JP, that's all it is. Um, it's not that it's a forty-five minute match with Japanese commentary. No. Um, yeah, on the. Why well, was the English commentary? Oh fuck yeah! I forgot there was English our commentary. Friends at fights. Oh, there you go. That's they're that's what English, I should have been doing. Well, they're not English. They're the Scottish commentator and a Welsh commentator in the house. Oh, as, there you as go. Their representation. Else. Well, I um, feel silly now, JP. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've you've had your chance and you've let it slip. But it's forty-two minutes. Of, it's that's why I said you've done one bit of your homework. Uh, the basically, the move, mate. Point. you haven't done the other bit, have you? He's oh. been on show my homework and get it ticked off now. Satchel one, rebranded <laughs> as. Um, Should we watch it, JP? I'm hearing nothing but great things, and the, the grapple out yes. is is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I would. I mean, I'm probably lower. Than what the overall grapple average is, I kind of tiered, I kind of toyed between sort of four point two five and four and a half, and then the kind of innate conservatism in me when it comes to some of the match ratings, and the utter steadfast refusal to give five stars unless I just sort of lose it for nonsense shit. I'm sure I gave Invisible Man versus Invisible Stand five stars. So, that what credibility do I have? But yeah, to make a note actually about the English commentators, they, um, I thought they did. It's the first time I'd heard them. Like Stuart Fulton, who does mainly sort of MMA um, and is based in Japan, and a, a guy called Mark Pickering, um, who they they had over for the show, they appeared to be there. They were like invested, and I thought they did actually like a really good job. Okay, um, they will get better. They're not perfect. Um, this at times it's about the tone of what you're telling, and at times the kind of oversell for sort of Keiji Muto versus um, Tenaguchi you're like Tanaguchi, you're like thinking like, yeah, that wasn't great. And it was 13 minutes and Muta goes over. And I love Muta, but at this age, like really fucking come on. It's like he's building up to, to a GHC title shot. That's how it honestly, it God feels. He's going to be like a title. Yeah. He's going to get a title shot. And it'd be the kind of bloke who says like, I should go over hmm. and, uh, and they might fall for it. And it's like, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility because, but, I mean, 
going back to the show overall is I, I and you know I'm not going to go into sort of all of the matches. Obviously, it's really just that main event is the big one to kind of take away from it. But the overall production levels are really good. Mm. And I think the reason I was enjoying it is because I've been down on New Japan. And this is something, and particularly the main event gives you something that's kind of more of an orthodox Japanese feud with a build between it, between two ex-tag team partners who are kind of different personalities. You've got the very sort of stoic, Go Shizaki proclaiming I am Noah and then you've got um, up against him the the kind of what looks like quite kind of snidey heel with the brutal kicks in Nakajima and it's a really good fit it's the most I've enjoyed a Go Shizaki, Shizaki match it was almost like this is where the character of what they've built it kind of made sense and effectively the match is a kind of chop versus kick battle mm that kind of goes on and becomes kind of quite creative and it's very brutal and it's a very wearing grinding match where they're kind of wearing each other down. But the earlier bits, which in the sort of Keno Shiyazaki 60 minute match that I didn't know was going to go the hour until I sort of realized it gone 50. I was like, Oh no, not again. They've done it again. Um, this didn't have it. Like I was kind of fine with the length. Mm. Generally, you might say it's a little bit too long. 42 minutes is any match. Are most matches needing to go to that level? I was going to try and fit it in before the podcast. <laughs> and I had like 20 minutes yeah. thinking I might have a chance. I was like, I've got no chance. That's your problem. Mm. Is that is this, you're going to need to sit down and give it the time. But I definitely recommend it when you have got the time. It's the kind of thing that's perfect on a weekend. To okay. watch, when you're not necessarily worrying about it. But I, you know, I kind of, I looked at this and I thought, Nakaji, like, and like, if it was an Amer- if this was the American wrestling industry, Nakajima being snapped up by someone, like he'd just be being snapped up because he's kind of entering in his prime. I think he's about thirty six or thirty seven at this point. He's been wrestling since he was what three, since he was four. Stu by Sasuke and Akira Hokuto um, for whatever fucking reason. Um, what is it now? He made his debut in New Japan at fifteen, and he's great. He's absolutely brilliant. Which kind of meant the reason why they didn't put the title on him was something that I I wasn't particularly keen on it. Now I've said like Shiazaki was like is very much kind of built this kind of character up as the kind of like kind of the the Noah like the Noah original who was there as the kind of trainee and you saw many a time Benno didn't you go Shiazaki? Oh yeah, King um, of Legends. He's not like a charisma like kind of um, monster, is he? It's is more of a vacuum, but like I get kind of why they're they're going with him, but it felt like Nakajima versus um, Kiyomiya is the way to go for the next kind of big story, and they didn't do that, and they had Kiyomiya lose to Ken Owen, another good match early on. I went three point seven five on, um, and there's a good tag match in there as well, which I'd actually kind of need to see a bit of again because I wasn't paying as much attention but like Noah is putting together a nice tidy quartet at the top of the card which is kind of what you need they kind of already know who their future ace is in Kiyomiya they've got a couple of heels in the same faction in Kenoe and um, and Nakajima as well although Nakajima with the belt it really should be the way that they should go they're the things you would kind of doubt about and it's quite solid. And they've done all this without any imports. 
And I'm not saying like the whole card is amazing, but at this point in time, the way New Japan is, this feels to me like a lot better. It, feel, it kind of feels like how I felt about all Japan, but I didn't enjoy what I saw of the Champions Carnival, apart from the final. And the Tag League, I will pick and choose a couple of matches from that. Nowhere appears to be doing much more of the kind of lo- like kind of long build storylines that kind of built to a, a match like this, which was between ex tag partners and needs to be brutal. And guess what? It was fucking brutal. And for no other reason, I would I would say like, I'd recommend it for that because it's the kind of thing that I feel like we've been missing from watching New Japan for pretty much most of 2020. Yeah, that's what I saw WH say. Like he was comparing it to like Walter Ilya. In, you know, it being that that, mm. that that type of match for him. Yeah. Um, I'm interested actually. How, how's it doing on like the grapple ratings overall, Gareth? I think I think you've sold me, JP. You know, I will. I'll do my homework for next week. I, I'll chime in with my, my rating next week. You've uh, you've guilted me into it. Um, what are the people saying? Is it is it doing well? Is it is it getting buzz? Because I have seen a, a bit of talk about this on the timeline. Yeah, it's uh, you know this one's rating really well. Like so, the uh, like as a as a whole at um, Shiozaki. Uh, Nakajima matches like averaging out at four point six three average there, so, you know. So it's 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 really high. And then when you you know when you look at that in comparison to you know the the best matches um, that that's come out this you know this year across any promotion there, it's comfortably sat there in the top ten. You know, so it's you, you know it's it, it's it's really really jumping out. And then I think um, as well as the there's the the match from the the previous Chronicle in in August with. Um, um, Shiozaki and uh, Kero, uh, that that that's in there in the top mm. ten as well. So that's definitely kind of like perked my interest, as thinking, oh, okay. Whereas you know we we watched Dragon Gate last week and we talked about it and we looked at some of the quality of the matches and and things. Whereas and, and it was like, yeah, not not really sort of like sold really for that time investment and things. Whereas you know this year, you know from what I've read, what JP's describing, you're looking at the match ratings and things. This certainly looks like um, it's, it's jumping out as something that I'm definitely going to be doing catch-ups on now in the in the next you know in the next two months really as we as we pick out the look to pick out the best matches of the uh, of the year and again with that sort of New Japan malaise that <laughs> there there is at the moment there's there is a bit of a gap there maybe to you know to, to j- jump into to something else a bit more strongly and uh, you know i think this is a this is something that i'm very very keen to have a look at for sure new japan have got two tournaments on at the minute and we're not keen on talking about either of them. <laughs> that sells us a lot doesn't it I was gonna say, yeah, we're kind of we're we're in the, the the dregs of the show here, and we haven't even talked about that. I mean, I was gonna the say the MLW slot used to be this. I assume you just kind of stepped in there. Well, me and Jay were JP were obviously very busy watching MLW. I assume you've just been watching every New Japan show this last week. Um, well, up to date, yeah, is that a? <laughs> Have any of us watched any of it? I haven't watched a minute of it. I just. I'm just not interested. I'm, I think I'm taking it off. I'm sorry. I, if people want that podcast content, they're probably gonna have to get it elsewhere because. Tagley just doesn't matter, and Super Juniors is nothing without Osprey and you know, um, you know what you call it, Chingo. Like it's just I'm not interested. I mean, the the worst kind of you know the worst worst thing I can give it from my point of view is I'm literally working from home, like 
I could just have it on there live in the background while I'm just while I'm doing work, and I've just chose to not even have it on. I've been like wow. listening to music instead and things. You know, there's there's some days where I've suddenly gone, oh shit, there was a new Japan this morning. I better get it on the app, and I'm like six hours late getting it up or something like that from from when the show's finished. Whereas typically, or you know, certainly in this in this scenario, I'd one, I'd obviously be watching it. I'll be watching it live you know while while doing other work but then putting the matches up as they happen kind of thing as well on, on onto the app and i, I just I, that hasn't felt necessary either because it, again it just hasn't been generating the same buzz from from the app users as well you know you still you, you know you, the, the 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 numbers that are going in there they're obviously coming in much slower as people are you know slower to uh, you know, then they're, they're clearly not watching it live, or the, you know, they're they're not catching up as quickly as they as 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 they might do. So it's taken a bit bit longer for things to feed through. But even if you decide to pick and choose, which is what I decided I was going to do with this 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 tournament, like I look at things, and the highest rated match so far is that Hiromu Ishimori match that was from day one anyway, and that's like four point zero eight. And when I watched that, I thought. Yeah, it was good. It was a nice, solid four-star match that, that I gave it, but I'd seen them have significantly better matches than that. It, it absolutely wasn't anything blow away. The next match behind that that's coming out is Robbie Eagles against Show on day five, which is like 4.04. So essentially that's bang on as, as a you know a four-star match. But then there's nothing else that's averaging out at four star, you know. And, and that's not to say it's a bad match if it's if it's if it's under four stars. But I think in a world where you're thinking, okay, let's uh, let's pick and choose, and let's maybe just like watch the absolutely elite stuff that's coming out there. You know, we're not seeing that filter filter through yet. You know, there's there's been good, strong, solid matches there in the in the high threes. You know, you're at your Desperado and uh, Hiromu. You know. Suzuki's on L- Suzuki got Lij from day four in the in the tag, but you know again it looks like take Hiromu out of this tournament and there's not much going on to be honest because as I, as I look there at the the top six matches on the app, Hiromu's in four of them, so you know it's uh, it's kind of, it's it's kind of showing where uh, imagine showing, he was yeah. in the G one. Imagine they did that instead. Oh, yeah. Where would the tournament be? Mm. Oh, actually, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's safer here. <laughs> but yeah again, again i think it just you know it's it's, it's reflected of that and that, i say that tag teams and that that tag match from from day four is in the top five but the other tag stuff i mean there's what there's it's only two of us that sneak past a three and a half which you know in a world where you can pretty much turn on the majority of wrestling that you watch these days and find one three and a half star match somewhere, kind of, you know, kind of thing. Even even WWE, um, you know, again, it's not a, it's certainly not making me run for the hills to be watching the rest of this tournament. Yeah. And JP hasn't been watching it while he's been walking the hills, so <laughs> what more damn indictment of uh, the quality of these tournaments can you can you have, JP? I've watched more, more New Japan Strong. Than this, mm. I've seen more of that commercial starring the the LA dojo, mm. the lad dojo than this. That tells <laughs> you a lot about it. Yeah, yeah I can't I can't be asked. I'm looking forward to the December twelfth show, mm. the the tournament in the US. That is one that I'm intrigued by, primarily just to see what future direction they might be telling you of people they could be using and what they might do with them. Mm. I think there's a lot of things in that that I find interesting on on levels but these two tournaments couldn't give a shit umming and ahhing about the final much like you Benno about whether or not I can even be asked. yeah I'm sure I will like Gareth said I'll be working from home it's a final I'll, I'll 
you know, I'll tune back in then. But mm. yeah, aside from that, yeah. As, gonna... as a result of duty more than anything else. Yeah. But you know, we'll keep an eye on the grapple off. Something jumps out as a huge recommendation. I'm sure I'll uh, I'll go dipping in. Um but yeah, just uh, as normal, not the most exciting time of year in New Japan and especially so this year. Um, let's hope uh, hope some uh, some big things are coming for uh, the start of next year um, anything else you guys want to cover anything else you watched uh, on your travels JP um, no anything you that's me that's, that's me Dan I, I'm not you lads I, I've taken a bit of time off podcasts but I will be um, not this week week afterwards putting together some stuff for um, doing another round table I don't even know I'm finding out on it I'm excited. Oh no! It's it's going to be related. It's going to be related to TNA. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm just umming and ahhing about the the topic and the theme of it, and and then I need to kind of approach people to be on it as well. Otherwise, it's it's just. It's, Other than that, it's, it's easy easy enough. It's basically yeah. recorded. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> I, the last TNA podcast I did, I remember two thirds of it, and the other third I, I found out much like anybody else. So, God knows. Um, so yeah, that's it. Other than that, you find me on Twitter at JPJP. But listen to your the podcast you guys did. Much better. Good stuff. Go on, guys. I'll let you go first. Get those plugs in. Yeah, yeah. you can... Obviously, we've touched upon it here, but you can listen to Survivor Series 1990 on uh, on Graps and Claps uh, audio. So yeah, if you're going to... If you like me rambling on about old wrestling, go and uh, give me a yeah, give that a listen and uh, hear me get gradually more drunk as it goes along as as well, which is always entertaining. Not quite as drunk as JP when he he was on graphs and claps, but then again, I didn't have whiskey been handed my way either. So you know, there's uh, there's there's conflicting factors uh, involved there. But uh, yeah, no, give it a give it give it a listen. It was a it was a entertaining show. But apart from that, obviously, download the app if you haven't already and uh, give us a follow up uh, at Grab Lap on Twitter. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and I'll throw out a plug last call for uh, Music of the Mat, the, uh, the Eddie Guerrero show. That's obviously uh, out now since we last recorded, so uh, do check that out. So it was good to hear from a few people who'd never uh, listened to Music of the Mat before. Great idea for a podcast. Loads of uh, entertaining stuff in the archives as well. Um, you can go and check out for that. Um, yeah, other than that, like I said, uh, the weekend recorded the uh, latest episode of Bushby and Thompson. That's out Thursday um, on the BWE feuds where we're talking uh, 2007's uh, Manhattan Mayhem with Reg and had a blast of a time doing that. And if that's not enough retro Ring of Honor content for you, uh, also <laughs> Friday uh, over on the uh, the BDE on Up Next's Patreon, uh, we're having a bit of a deep dive, me, Davey and Braden, looking at 2003-2004 uh, Ring of Honor, uh, looking at Samoa Joe's world title reign. So, you know. Christmas the Street connection. Well, yeah, I don't think they're going to come up on this one, but great okay. memories of them in ROH, yeah. Great, great, great opening act for uh, the first show. No problems at all with that. Um, <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do that deep, deep dive one day. Uh, yeah. yeah, that Rob Fine steam is an odd man. Um, but yeah, yeah we, we're talking all that. So yeah, if you come for the uh, the free uh, 2007 Manhattan Mayhem show, if you like what you hear, uh, get yourself on the Up Next uh, Patreon feed and you can hear us uh, talking here even more ROH as well. Um, but yeah, that's, I suppose that's uh, it for us for uh, another show. Uh, I'll throw your Twitter in, at JPJP, at GrappleGareth, at BensonRichardE. Most people who listen probably follow us already. Follow the Grapple app, at Grapple app. Do you reckon anyone listens to us and downloaded it yet? Download the app. 
there's another one. Throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. So uh, hopefully uh, all things as long as uh, my move goes all right, my internet uh, holds up. I'll uh, we'll be back next week with uh, a regular show. I'm sure we'll find a way to uh, to do a show. I'll do my homework, JP. I'll watch that Noah match, and we'll uh, Good lad. we'll be up and running. But yeah, uh, look forward to that. Everything else going on in the rest of the world this time next week. See you, everyone. Bye.